Hey everybody, welcome to the BBB Pod. This is Bros, Bibles, and Beer. This is episode 141. I'm Jeff. This is Zach. Come on, man. Hey, and Andy. Great dividends. Hey, Scott. And Scott, Scott is MIA again. He's washing dishes like a little girl. Bye, Scott. I seriously, I want to tear Scott up and down. I can't believe, uh, no kidding, anybody listening, Scott sent us a message an hour ago said, I can't make it and I want to come clean. Uh, I'm cleaning. Quite quite literally. I'm cleaning dishes. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be kidding. Yeah. So said no one ever. (laughs) You should definitely tweet at us, email us, and uh, even consider putting it in a review. (laughs) <laughs> How unacceptable missing a podcast is because you have dirty dishes. Yeah. Well, it started out, hey guys, sorry, I don't think I can make it. I mean, you you guys will have four people and that's plenty. And that was it. It's like, no, that doesn't work. You're on this podcast. Why are you missing? It's unacceptable. And then dishes. He says dishes. I got to do the dishes. Which is probably not true. <laughs> All right, but we're not alone tonight. No, we are not. We are joined by Brian Lockridge. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on the pod. Dude, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you guys for your time. I'm guessing, and I also happen to know this, that uh, your teammates used to call you B-Lock. If that happens tonight, is that appropriate or is that unacceptable to That's you? That's appropriate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't bother me. Yeah, you're good. We'll feel it. We'll know when it's the right moment. Yeah, right. just let it go. Just let, <laughs> let it happen. You know? Just let it happen. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, uh, okay. Now you and you and Zach know each other, and yes. how do you, and how do you guys know each other? We were neighbors, actually. Uh, he lived two doors down, three doors down, actually, um, from down. where I lived, and it was a great cul-de-sac, and and I loved it, and I, I miss it even now. Uh, loved it so much, he fixed the house up and left. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the people were great. I mean, we loved it, um, but yeah, we we just moved down the street, so we'll still see him. Yeah, that's cool, and uh, and so. What do you What do you do What do you do for a living Who Who is Brian Lockridge What do you do Tell Who's Who's, who's B Lock uh, I do outside sales for Honeywell uh, I cover the West Coast I uh, deal with combustion So anything from making gas from Chevron to paint curing um, You name it I deal with it Anything with large flames I deal with <laughs> Really Yes Did you You said Honeywell Honeywell Yep but they also make the thermostats, right? Thermostats, yes. They seem to be known for the thermostat, but we're really known for the obviously the aerospace part of it. Um, mm-hmm. All the controls you see in any space, the Boeing's, whatever you, you name it. Really, uh, we deal with the controls for that, uh, and I deal with the controls for huge flames. No way! And how did so, you? How do we get our hands on something like that? You don't put your hands on that, Zach. It's not safe. You don't touch it. I mean, uh, (laughs) some of these boilers are big as a house. Uh, If you you miswire it, it will blow up for sure. And and we deal with the actual one controls that uh, help regulate the system. And Tur- turns out in Beirut, they should have called Honeywell. They should have. Is oh, that too soon? Man, that's they, they too soon, Zach. Zach. May they rest in peace. I'm not happy about it, but it was worth you saying. Know, I, did <laughs> mention, I did mention before we, we came came live here that uh, you know I have my seven-year-old. My seven-year-old would love to hang out with somebody who deals with big flames. That'd be, yes. that'd be fun. I mean, and it's, Jeff and I have an unhealthy relationship <laughs> with, with fireworks. fireworks. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, next time you know of something being blown up, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
And how do you, how does one even begin to get started in something like this? I started off actually uh, dealing with hydronic piping. Um, so municipal plants, water treatment facilities. Yeah. Uh, then I moved over into the building automation controls side of it. Um, and I love the controls part of it. It's, it's real intriguing to me. Um, then they said, hey, you want to start playing with fire and control fire? And I'm like, that sounds even better. Um, so I interviewed for the job. And uh, again, it's Honeywell. So you got the name recognition there. But uh, the biggest part for me was uh, I get to play with fire and, and regulate <laughs> fire at a, a huge, wow. huge quantities of, of, of fire. So um, it was interesting. And I, I jumped into it. And thank God I got the, the position. And uh, now up the, the West Coast, I have 11, 12 states now. Uh, we we mostly deal with uh, mostly gas, microbreweries sometimes. That's a fun fun aspect of oh, it. Oh, really? Making chips. Make boilers and... Yep, Tesla. I mean, you name it. Anyone that needs fire to make metal, bend anything, cure paint, um, uh, you definitely have to regulate that fire somehow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Yeah. That sounds fun. Tesla wasn't the it one, is. but the moment I'm... A, yeah. If you need to bend metal, then... Clearly, yeah. mostly paint carrying for like Toyota, okay. uh, Ford. Um, once they're done filling the carton, well, you actually uh, the process of actually making melding, uh, metal. You have different mixtures that they everyone has a different batter per se uh, for metals, and they kind of mix it in whether it's aluminum, whatever the case might be, galvanized steel. Um, you have to melt it. You use fire yeah. for that, and then after the car is actually made, uh, you paint whatever color you guys pick. Uh, they paint it and they drive it through a huge oven per se. Yeah. And you Seal need, it in. You need wow. fire for that as well. So. Dude. It's kind of. <laughs> so, I did not know any of this. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Wow. So you didn't always, you didn't always work at Honeywell. You nope. didn't always work with giant fire. No. Um, let's keep, let's keep moving backwards. Yeah. <laughs> let's do, I like it. let's yeah. do your history in reverse. <laughs> let's do it. And so, uh, before you worked with big fire, what were you doing before that? Playing football. I played for university of Colorado. Uh, loved it. I was a running back there. Go uh, buffs. Go buffs. Yeah. I started, uh, for the first three years, actually started the first year, got hurt at sports hernia. It's, it's bound to happen in football. That's only guaranteed in football is you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Uh, Played junior year, got hurt, uh, ended up switching to corner. And so I started at corner uh, when we went to the Pac-12. But the Big 12, I started uh, three years I was there. and You went from running back to cornerback? It's the best transition ever. Really? Um, the easiest, yeah. How, how did that go? Talk about that. He's really fast. I'm really, I'm really <laughs> fast. I'm good. Yeah, to be honest with you, pound for pound, running backs, you deal with the yeah. biggest guys on the field across the board whether yeah. it's a lineman or a linebacker you're always dealing with the the biggest guys so going and dealing with the receiver they might be taller but they're skinnier and they're not the strongest of the team so yeah it's really easy to manipulate that that body especially if you get under the ribs and and, and you can move them around real easy so for me that was great um you guys can kind of see how this huge scar here oh yeah uh, right on his ankle so, wasn't so for the to- listeners i'm looking at like it's hidden partially by the shoe but there's probably a yeah a six inch scar that runs from the top of his ankle down past the sock Damn. right over the bone too, which yeah. is really fun. I, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. What was that? What was that injury? That's a sports hernia, Andy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's different than a regular hernia. It's down at the ankle level. <laughs> when you play sports, are your intestines in different spots than yeah. normal people? <laughs> no, I did. I want Brian to keep talking about that. And I have a question about sports hernia, but 
Go ahead. Right. Yeah. So, um, sports hernia was sophomore year, um, but this one ended up being my uh, junior year. We were playing third game in against Georgia, and it typical. It rolled up. Uh, I went between two tackles and defensive end, kind of rolled up on it, and and that typically happens. And to be honest with you, and I thought it, nothing was wrong. I mean, it sprained it. Let's keep going. Wrap it up. Um, next play, they did a toss play uh, to the left side, and I got it. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to score on this. And I couldn't plant on the left leg. Like, what the hell's wrong with me? Coach is yelling at me, and he takes me out. And I, I told him, like, hey, man, I, I have no clue what's going on with my left leg ankle. And so what they did is they spat it or taped the outside of the shoe. Uh, you have a cortisone shot, and you're good to go. I ran in. Uh, three plays later, I scored. Uh, I was like, all right, we're good to go. Uh, but at the end of the game. And you're not feeling pain at this point. No, you don't. Not at this point. Because you got so much adrenaline. Yep. And and you're in cortisone. the cortisone, yeah, and cortisone, yeah. so it's killing inflammation, and you're just you're, you're running off of pure adrenaline, yeah. And then I just tell them, let's everything right side, let's go right side, and we're good to go. It worked out, thank God. But after the game, they took off the bandage, and my ankle just went limp. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, oh, that's that's not right. Uh, we did X-rays and MRIs, and I tore literally everything on the left side of that oh. ankle. Uh, but it worked out that game, third game in there. And I was like, well, let's continue doing this throughout the season. Uh, some players might blame the coaches and, and how the program works around football. But to be honest with you, I wanted to play. If I wasn't playing, I was going to get cut anyway. So, Well, you're starting – sophomore year, you're starting yep. for a Division One football team. That's like NFL prospects. That's like you have – in your mind – you're thinking I, yeah. I I cannot not play unless they cart Correct. me off. Correct. Yep. Mm. So that's that's your mindset. Looking back at it, I mean, I would still do that, um, but uh, you live with it after, which which makes sense. But at the time, it's right, and I'll do it again. God, man. So mm. sports hernia question. Um, I don't think I've had a sports hernia. I've had a regular hernia, one where intestines break through the what's the difference breaks through the lining of the stomach basically stomach muscles and it can show up as like a bulge in your lower stomach sometimes around your groin area uh what is different why is a sports hernia sports hernia is it different same thing is it just because you're playing sports when it happens similar i think it it actually pops out so you'll get that external bump okay um that's the biggest difference you could have a minor tear and and mostly i mean it, it heals by itself um if you don't continue doing, you don't play yeah, football, you, don't you know, but if you continue it, it's think of it as almost a bandage and it's slowly ripping off as something internally is pushing, pushing out. Through, mm-hmm. yeah. And the more you strain your body, the more it pushes out. Um, then you start going into sports running where it's, it's out. Um, and if it bursts, you can die from that, which I, didn't, I had no clue. Um, but um, thank God. I mean, they didn't tell me, we didn't find out till the end of the season and it was great. I think yours is called a toll road hernia. Yeah, yeah. I was driving a little fast. <laughs> so and, what did you have? Uh, it, I think inguinal. Inguinal? Inguinal? Inguinal. Like it basically... Sounds uh, like, I don't think that's how you like, say your daughter's name. If you would, <laughs> Sounds like pasta. I don't, I don't know what that is. You know? Well, the, that's funny you say that. It looked like pasta, too. <laughs> no, but it was... Um, for me, I lived with it for years. It was stable. Um, but at a certain point, like I was still... Um, not that I go heavy on the weights, but I was still working out and stuff uh, without much of a problem with occasional discomfort, like because it was pushing through my lower abdomen uh-huh. and just, okay, if you don't want to hear anything graphic, 
Go forward 30 seconds. Yeah, earmuffs for your kids right now. Down down into the testicle region. And so it looked it almost looked like there was some extra action down there. Correct. Um oh. so and you could actually push it up and back. You're welcome for that, listeners. Um, That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was it would only descend a certain amount, and then it would just be stable. So, and you couldn't really tell from the outside. Um, I would have had to get really intimate with you, that Jeff. Is, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. that sounds. So awful. eventually, I had it surgically fixed, and um, we're all good to go. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you ever cough, or you know, you're going number two, and you know, it's a hard one. It hurts. It's bad Any news. big laugh. Honestly, for the longest, I thought I was just sore. I mean, I was I was sore the entire season. Out, I mean, I, I I just thought I was just sore, but it was always in yeah. that one area. It was weird, but every time I sneeze, cough, use the restroom, um, something was wrong. Um, then when the bump came out, I'm like, oh Jesus! You're like, wait a minute, that who invited you? What the hell is this? <laughs> I think it's a tumor at that point. But oh yeah, not, right. You're yeah. not wrong. So uh, the ankle. That was which one was sophomore year? Were they both sophomore year? Sophomore year was the hernia. Junior year was the ankle. Okay, okay. So you're starting sophomore. Did you start sophomore year? I start true freshman year. Damn it! Started true freshman. So what high school? You were. I went to Mission Vale High School in in, in Southern California. Yep. Oh, you grew up down here. Yes. Which is a for being a public school, it's pretty good football school traditionally. Correct. We were number one in the nation for, gosh. Five six years, top top five for gosh eight really eight, yeah eight nine years. Mark Sanchez right came out of there. <clears throat> oh yeah, Marinovich. He was our quarterback Todd Marinovich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way back in the day, Marinovich was that was just Capo. A, we, he was Capo. Yeah, he didn't oh, really okay. finish. I was gonna say he didn't go. To that was back. Todd in Marinovich my didn't go there. <laughs> I was gonna say this we, was like I'm a just saying names I know a USC <laughs> quarterback. Funnel. Yes, it, it was great. I mean, we had eleven guys every year get D one scholarships, uh, and if you wow. if you look at that across the United States, that's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's rare. Uh, and we were catching up to Poly. I mean, we never lost to Poly, but Long Beach Poly had great players. Deshaun Jackson. I mean, the list goes on with those guys, and we never lost to that the, that team. Wow. Even with those players on it, and and you know, we had an incredible team. We had an incredible coach. Um, but I mean, it, it was. What kind of sparked my interest in, in going forward with football? Uh, before that, I mean, I was really a hybrid nerd. I played piano and rode the bike everywhere <laughs> I went. You know, I mean, that's pretty much all I did. Uh, I grew up in in, uh, in Carson. That's where right. I mostly live. Uh, went to Palmdale for a little bit. Parents got divorced when I was eleven. We moved around quite a bit, and we actually moved to Orange County to live with my aunt as well. So we had you know, five members of our family moving in with the family out here. And it was the weirdest thing, but wow. it worked out. And once I heard about Mission Viejo, I'm like, hey, you know what? They're winning. That's my chance to get a scholarship. And uh, yeah. thank God it worked out. So f- full ride scholarship. Yep. And, and what was your degree in for college? Communication. A okay. BS degree. A true BS degree. In communications? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> BS degree. You know, it, it's business communication. Um, but to be honest, I wanted to be an engineer. That's what I primarily deal with now mechanical mm-hmm. engineer and they're like no you can't do that i'm like that's why i went to college and yeah. i think this is what i want to do and they're like no it, it conflicts with football and they look at us and they said hey school's number one oh, school's number one they hold up two fingers <laughs> football's number two and hold up one finger like you guys get that all right well football's first let's go 
And so, yeah. you know, they give us, you know, ethnic studies, kind of all the arts and crafts right. and yeah. uh, business communication seemed like one that was a little bit more legit, but yeah, I, it was easy. It was, it's BS. Yeah. The BS degree. Right. <laughs> I like it. I got one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this, so I'm not near the athlete that that Brian is, but I remember starting off at City College. I'm glad you said that thanks. because thanks. I know okay. people were wondering. All right, thanks, Zach. <laughs> to the uh, untrained eye, it's yeah. hard to tell the difference between the two of you guys. I, I was, mean, I was a fantastic golfer. That's about it. <laughs> um, no, I could. I remember looking or going to um, switching over to Concordia, and they said, "Why do you have so much physical education?" I'm like, "Oh, I was." Uh, it's sports at Long Beach City. We'd just be putting weightlifting <laughs> yep, and yep. tons of sociology and psychology and all kinds of you know BS. But anyway, um, yeah, that's how that happens. And you're like, didn't really do anything, yeah. but I got good grades and it allowed me to play sports. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm curious because I grew up in Southern California and then went to school in Washington, like East Eastern Washington. Yep. Totally different climate. Totally different culture. I'm curious what it was like for you growing up in Southern California and going and going to Colorado. I, I want to say honestly, I thought it was at first. I'm like, there's no way I'm going out there, and until I, I took my trip out there and I started looking at it, I'm like, wow, half the school, maybe more, is from California. Yeah, and, you know, it, it it felt like being at home. Right, it, there were kids that went to the same high school as as me, or they were at the neighboring. High school, Tesoro, whatever, Capel. Yeah. Uh, they were already there. I mean, so it felt like home naturally, but then it was a little twist on it. You have the mountains there, Rocky Mountains, you're under there. Um, it, it was sunny 300 plus days out of the year. And it's kind of, it's uh, it's near Boulder, right? Correct. It's the, in Boulder. It's yep. in Boulder. Yep. Yeah. 300 days of sunshine. I mean, you're, you're already close to the top five most sunny states out there. So for me, I mean, it, it was an easy transition. We only had one storm. The whole time I was there, doesn't it snows there though, right? It snows, oh, yeah. but the next day it's it's pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah, that's better than what I had to go to. <laughs> Eastern, we played Eastern Washington um, freshman year. Yeah, your, your school color is red, right? Red well, and something. So I went to school. I went to Whitworth College, which is like twenty minutes from Eastern okay. Washington University, and it's in Spokane. And it and it was uh, it's. The way I describe it to people, it's one thing to live like 30 minutes from snow, and it's another thing to live in snow. Correct. Yep. Those are two very different worlds. Yes. And uh, and I just remember like there being stretches where it was like seven months and I hadn't seen the sun. Yeah. See, that's bad. You and I was going nuts. Yeah. I was going nuts. So I transferred to Santa Barbara. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> and that's, we had Samoan guys come in and I mean, it's funny. It's entertaining seeing those guys in snow. Dude. They still have flip flops on. They have, <laughs> the know, Hawaiians. We had yeah. tons of Hawaiians. They love it. Ton that was our football team was, were Hawaiians. Yeah. You had the state of, uh, was it, it's California, uh, Oregon, Utah, Washington, and Colorado have yeah. a lot of guys. They have like an in-state tuition deal with that. Yeah, because why do you want to fly further than the West Coast? No, you know if you're from Hawaii, it makes no sense. Yeah. Come right to the, no, the left but, coast. But seeing Samoans or Hawaiians see snow for the first time in their lives is amazing, entertaining because it is just like <laughs> it's like the just magical wonder yeah. falling from the sky from them, and they're just like looking yeah. at it, like 
Brother, what is this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Can we case. isolate that later on? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get that drop. All right. So, Brian, I'm curious. Did you? Wait. Were there? What was there? I ever? Just, you guys talked about school. I feel like I should mention. I I went to community college to avoid paying rent at my parents' house. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit what? that out. <laughs> uh, Brian, the was there out ever? Of all of us. Was there ever a, a like a? A thought in your mind later in school that you thought, you know, I'm going to make a run at the NFL? No, actually, I, I, you get a lot of players, and, and I'm kind of rare in that sense where I didn't grow up watching sports. I, I didn't really care at the point, at that time. Practicing right? piano. Yeah, I was I was really just out. I was watching Animal Planet and piano, and, and I was in my own little world at that time. And I only played football, to be honest, to start – in freshman year of high school was because my friends did it. Right. Really? And so my whole thought process of, I didn't I had no clue what the difference was between a corner and a, and a receiver and, and yeah. a running back. I had no clue what was going on. Um, had you done sprinting before high school? No. So I got to, if you don't lose your train of thought, but I got to know that first moment where you just like unleash and sprint, like what that was like oh, and yeah. what the reaction was because uh, you and maybe you can give us the number later. You're like, wait, is that the piano guy? You have world, <laughs> you have world class speed. I do. Thank God. Yeah. Well, freshman year, I I I didn't start at all. I was uh, second, third string running back at the time, honestly, because I had no clue what I was doing. And I was at El Toro at the, at that time, um, and I had no clue about Mission Viejo and all that, but. I was struggling to start at El Toro, uh, but we blew out this one team. They're like, all right, Lockridge in. Like, all right, cool. And running back, they're like, all right, so toss. They love toss plays. It's like my staple thing because I can outrun people. Right. Yeah. Um, toss to the right. And I remember we were on the third, yeah, third yard line going out. And they toss played to me and I took it to the house. 97 yards? Yes. And, nice. and that's, when I, that's when I realized, like, I'm fast. But then my second thought was like, this is, you know, we already blew this team out. They got their third right, string in. Right. And, um, but you, even at that point in time, because I imagine most high schoolers at that age would be like, yeah, look what I just did, 97 yards. I guarantee you the starting running back saw that and was like, oh, this is not going to go well for me. <laughs> but I mean, but you in that moment, you were, you, it sounds like you had the wherewithal to go, yeah, but we're smoking these guys right now. Yeah. So I, I, I had no clue. I mean, honestly, I, I, I was third, second, third string at the time. So I was just happy to get in. And I scored, thank God. And uh, the following season, that's when I really started figuring out the game. Mm. Um, and football's changed even since then from high school, even midway through, through college. Defensive ends were slow. They're bigger guys. They're slow. Mm. Getting around that edge was significantly easier uh, yeah. for, for a fast guy. Now you got guys that they flex out and they're faster and they're taller and they hit you harder. I mean, it's just a different game with guys that can have the perimeter now. Um, but at that time, I can outrun any team. So that was my saving grace at the time. And um, my mom moved to Reno, Nevada. And thank God a family took me in, into their home in Orange County here in RSM. And that's what opened the doors to Mission Viejo. And I'm like, all right, this is a good team. If I can survive here. I have a good shot. And Whoa! So your mom moves yep. in the middle of your of high school for you. Yep. And that you stick just, around. How does that happen? Right. So, end of sophomore year, my mom got a, a transfer out, um, and we were struggling anyway. So it was just my mom and us. So 
uh, moving to Nevada, Reno, Nevada, um, to be exact, it was significantly cheaper. Um, so we did it. She took a job up there. I went up there for two weeks and just was like, this is not me. I have more potential down in, in Southern California. And, yeah. um, it was a huge leap, but um, my goal at the time was, number one, be a good husband, because both sides of my, fa- of my family, everyone's divorced. So that was my number one goal. Just be a good husband, stay married. However that looks, even if I don't like it, just before, do it. Before, well before you were married. Well before, like, yeah. I'm going I was to get young. married. I was young at this time. Okay. You're an old soul, man. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, you were married in yeah. high school? Yeah. <laughs> just, so, so, just so everybody knows, Brian's 23 right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was my goal growing up. I just wanted to be a, a good husband, a good father, and financially provide. Whatever that looked like. And football was becoming an, an evident way of me saying, like, I can, I can actually do this. And so I told him, I'm moving back to California. And thank God we had a great family. Uh, the Macero and Barr family here took me in. And the Bazankos actually um, took me in. I, I lived with them. And How did you know football. them? How did, you, did you just football. mention two different families? Yes. Okay. So you just like bounced? Yep. Okay. How did, how did you know those families? Bible study. Really? Yep. I did their middle school slash high school Bible study um, group, and we all played football, um, and it was fun. But they, especially the bars too, they're like, hey, I know you need a place to live. Just live with us. So what, what year in high school incredible. are you? That's incredible. At, that, At part- that time, I was in middle school when I started doing the moving really? process. Um, and so I lived with my mom, and then if things changed, I would live with them. But these two families were probably uh, my foundation wow. moving forward. Um, and so the Bazankos were just another family that just took me under their wing and made me as one of their own. Uh, and then the Macero and Barr family was um, just significantly in, in, in entrenched in my life. Where was your uh, father? At the time, I had no clue. And up until moving back to California three years ago, we didn't talk for the longest time, probably over 11. Really? Years, yeah. Had your mom and dad divorced a yep. long time? They, at 11. they divorced when I was 11. Okay. Okay. Yep. okay. And actually, I wanted to, this is even better than a Quentin Tarantino movie, guys. I want to go back to, you mentioned divorce at 11. And uh, I just, I'm curious how, and you have these thoughts from an early age of be a good husband. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when that thought came in and was there a catalyst for having those thoughts crystallize in your brain? Like, this is what I'm going to be. I, I think I saw a trend, you know, you have two parent home, obviously uh, numbers, statistically speaking, you're going to do better as a group. You got two right. dual income, you know, and if, even if you don't, you have help at right. the house. Yeah. When you don't significantly see a decay in the overall structure. Right. Um, for me, Honestly, everyone uh, says it's sad, but I was happy at that time that we made it to when I was 11. I, was, I thought that was like a monument moment. Like, I, I was 11 years old. My parents were together until that's a, that's a good stretch for at me. At the time wow. you thought that? Because everywhere you went, no one was married. God dang, man. And, and so for me, I, I, I thought that was an accomplishment. accomplishment to make it to that. But in my head, I was like, you know what? Like, if I can do better, I'm, I'm going to do that. I didn't know how it was going to look and how it was going to unfold in the future, but how did you feel though? Cause 11, you, uh, the hormones are just kicking in and about to go crazy. And it, it feels like 
I don't want to say there's a better time to get to, for to experience divorce as a kid. Yeah. I have not experienced that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine there are less opportune times and more opportune times if it's going to happen. Either Correct. you're really young or you're developed, your Correct. brain's developed. Correct. So yeah. how was that for you? For me, honestly, I I was I felt happy that we made it 11 years as a, a family. Wow. And so it's, I know it's weird. You even, are an old Even thinking about it now, it's Dude. weird, but. And do you have siblings? Yep. I have two older brothers and one younger sister. Okay. Yep. And and we all, once that happened, and you saw almost the decay of right. our structure. Really? Uh, from right. the same parents, two older brothers and yep, one all from the same parent. Okay. Yep. Except for, we adopted my sister when she was two. Um, okay. But we, we, we started moving around a lot and that's why mm. I was moving around after that. And to find something stable um, was something that I wanted, number one, and good examples moving forward. Um, and those, those families that took me in were great examples. Well, wow. I don't remember, uh, apologies, I don't remember his name, but when you moved, first moved in to the street, <clears throat> yep. um, would you call him your dad? Yep. Okay. What was his name? And the first thing he said to me is Bob like- Bob Bazenko. Bob Bazenko. Okay. Yeah. He, he said, I'm Bob. I know we don't look, we don't look the same, but right. this is my son, or I'm, I'm Brian's dad. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's like right out the gate. He's like, I want to just cut this- just cut any like yeah. questions or anything like that. Like, uh, and on that note, what, what has that been like growing up? Oh, did anybody, did either, did they adopt you or no, you just lived with them? No. School wise, we had to sign some papers. So they were able to sign stuff for me okay. Um, okay. for schools. Um, so yeah, they did that. Um, but other than that, that was, that was it. It was just out of their own heart. They, right. they wanted to, to do that. And um, it was good structure. For me, uh, moving forward, and um, like he said, I mean, he, the first thing is like, yeah, I'm his dad, mm-hmm. and he took full responsibility of that, and he. It's like he, he wanted to set the tone yeah. and like eliminate any awkward. Yep. Because I'm sure people, when they see it's different like, color ah. skin, parents, yeah. kids, it, there's like the, you know the I'm you, tell me you know the look that you yeah. know when people are giving the look like, well, what's what's going? They're there? trying to do quick math. They're like, <laughs> yeah, and and for those people that don't know. I'm black, obviously, and I was just whoa, 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 <laughs> wait a minute, wait. yeah, uh, <laughs> Brian, this isn't on video, so <laughs> and and the parents that took me in were white, um, and if you think nowadays, everyone thinks, oh my God, everyone's racist, but to be honest with you, that's that's BS because uh, they had, they weren't getting paid, obviously, there was no incentive to do that, and they did, and mm-hmm. they were just out of their own hearts, that's what they did, and they treated me like one of their kids, they. You know, when I got out of line, they disciplined like I was one of their kids, you mm. know? So, mm. um, I felt a part of their family cause I was treated like one of their family members and, and that's, that was phenomenal. Um, but for them to do that, I mean, it, it was just, it was, it was great. That's awesome. And what is that, what does that relationship look like today? I mean, you described meeting, meeting him. So oh, yeah. obviously still in your life. I, I actually hang out and talk to them more than I talk to my real parents. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just now started talking to my dad. Yeah, um, I want to get there. Yeah, I want to get. Well, you can keep going, but I, I want to get there at some point if you are willing to talk about that, because that's. Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's some depth to this. There is, yeah. There's depth to B-Lock. Yeah, I um, you know, t- just to be honest with you, I, I just I really value them as parents, mm-hmm. as people. Um, yeah. for someone to go out on a limb for some kid that's not theirs, um, I mean that 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 takes a big deal, and yeah. and and they did that. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty cool. Well, it shows the... I, I like the fact that you recognize that the structure as a kid being given that in a family that's intact, that it creates a stability, and then you actually are able to build out of that Correct. and like one of their family and be but you're but it's because of that structure that that foundation is sounds like it was key for you to move forward correct yeah and and succeed and actually have this goal of like i'm gonna be a good husband a good father and that's important and that is not going to end i'll fight for that correct and i think what started that um kind of go back to your question there it's um I think it it would have it developed out of spite per se. Hmm. You're so mad, I mean, you got two ways to go. You know, hmm. let things kind of happen to you, or you oh, just with kinda, the divorce. With the divorce, okay, you, know, right. you get kids go either way. And for me, I I figured, hey, you know what? I can stress out and cry and be mad about it my whole life, and have it affect me, or I can kind of take that and like say, you know what? This is what, in spite of this, I'm going to do this. And so for me and my brothers, we did a lot of things to prove my dad wrong. Really? And, um, that was the motivating like driver. That's a motivating factor there. Um, and family too. Like, hey, I can do this. And, yeah. and that the motivation behind that was, I'm going to prove that I can do this. Mm. Um, and, it, and thank God. I mean, it's, 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 it's happening. And I, I love it. And I'm happy how it unfolded. I had no clue at that time. I moved out the house when I was 15 at that time. So mm. I had no clue. But I had my goal, my life goal. And that's all I needed. I'll figure out the rest later. So moving out of the house at 15 was to move out here for high school. Correct. Um, if you don't mind, what, what do you know? What's your dad's story? Like what, what do you know about your dad? Yeah, you, uh, you mentioned you didn't talk to him for a certain amount of time yeah, until so, very recently. Not a bad guy. He just, he, he does his own thing. I mean, uh, he's a building inspector. Um, he was real involved in our life uh, for the first 11 years, which was great. And again, that might contribute to why I was so happy we made it to 11 years mm. as a family. Mm. Um, he was there. Um, it was a good it was a good foundation for the most part. Um, but looking around, I mean, there was a common theme going on. And uh, even years later, I went played football and did all that and I graduated college. And I want to say seven years even after graduating from college. Uh, finally, once I moved back to California, and I, I sat with them, and I was like, you know what? I'm married now, and you know, I I want to just talk to him. You know, it's my dad, regardless if if you know I didn't like him or not. I mean, it's still my dad. It doesn't change that fact, and uh, I want to have a relationship with him still. Yeah, you know. And I I told him I don't see him as a father figure. Mm. Uh, different stage of life too. I mean, before you're 11, you don't really care what happens. Sure. Mm-hmm. Talking about going Chuck E. Cheese most of the time, you know what? <laughs> But after my, you know, young adult life, uh, that's when you really develop. And he, he, I don't see him as that father figure. I saw the Bazankos and the Maceros bars as that's a father figure. That's mm. how it should look like um, mm. and, and moving forward. So um, we still talk, but again, it, it took uh, 11 to 13 years before we can even get back to that point. And uh, we're talking now, which is, which is not bad. Wow. That's a good thing. You know, that's interesting because I think a lot of people, uh, I, I wonder about this when there's a scenario where you have um, a biological father versus a non-biological father. Uh-huh. And and some of the questions that I always wonder about are, um, I'm curious what the reaction is of the non-biological father, someone who like 
poured into the person yeah. for a, a huge majority of their life, potentially. I mean, yep. it's not exactly the same because your dad was around for 11 years. So, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, but, but when, when that kid goes, I really want to like go back and I want to reconnect with my father and I want, and I want to have that relationship with my father. I'm, that that I've always wondered, like, is there an interesting? What is that dynamic for the oh, non-bio dad? Oh yeah, that that's a weird dynamic between the two. Because for the longest time, he's like, that guy's not. He hasn't come in your football games. He hasn't been here doing this. I mean, even with Bob, and he, my first bank account was with him. Yeah, he taught me how to. Yeah, you know, this is what you do. Like this, is the small small stuff. Right. And so for him, I mean, he's like, oh, now you want to come back in the kid's life. You know, so you, you have that growing. And then, you know, after years passed by um, and I got married and all that, he was like, you know what? That is his kid. And regardless of what I think of him, like he's still his dad. Mm-hmm. And and that is true. I mean, that's, he's still my dad and, um, you know, he, he loves me, but um, I, I have multiple dads now. You know, it's just something that I, I love and I accept. I learn from all of them. I take all the positive traits from each and every one of them and, and I move forward. But yeah, that dynamic between the new parents and the old parents, um, it's awkward, especially when we all get together. Yeah. It's extreme. <laughs> Even now it's, it's awkward. Really? Yeah. You can tell it's like, what the hell are they doing? Why are they doing this? Or it's a weird, weird dynamic between the two families. Cause everyone does, they, everyone does things differently. Yeah. And, and I can imagine that you've got, yeah, there's some strange dynamics, which one is like, well, biologically, this is my kid. Yeah. I'm the reason he's here. Yep. And then you've got a uh, you've got someone else who's like, well, I'm kind of the reason he's still around here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking care of your kid. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, it, yeah. Yeah. It it was, you know, it's from that aspect, yeah. I mean, it was it was animosity between both families at at a certain point. But for me internally, I had the best of both worlds. Yeah. You know, black, white, didn't really matter to me. I got a great family structure, um, great examples all around. And that's all I loved. I loved, I loved having that yeah. in my life and, and I embraced it. And so for me, I benefit the most out of it because I had so many different outputs and outlooks and growing up when I grew up in LA too, I mean, whether it's political beliefs or whatever the case might be, you're kind of told like, you're just going to run with the crowd kind of deal. You're subjective to what happens to you, and and you either accept it or that's it. You, you I mean that that's really? life. Or for me, I had I had two examples. Whether it's like a democratic lifestyle or a Republican lifestyle or in the middle, whatever the case might be, I really had an opportunity to choose between what my true beliefs were and and what direction I wanted to go. Mm. Uh, and have an example of oh, I remember at this time I was thinking like this because of X Y Z. Now, does that make sense in your life? And I was able to put that together. I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm going this direction. How much of that was based on, do you think, your, uh, sorry, Jeff. We're going to give Jeff the talking pillow after (laughs) Andy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you the talking bottle of whiskey. I I will say several of your questions are the same follow-up questions but i do have something different he knows you're gonna steal (laughs) his next question no he no he won't but go ahead uh no you know i'll let you go partially because i forgot what my question was yeah i lost i lost lost my train of thought no uh brian i too i'm gonna insert a little bit of my family history there Mm -hmm. just to um point out i too had divorced parents at 11 years old 
and the, it, I, it seems like you have, I'm a little jealous. You, you, re, you were able to recover your life, what was broken and, and it seems heal that, um, and, and have a state, have stability and a good foundation early on. Whereas I went into like rebellious mode and had no foundation. My mm-hmm. dad was not, I mean, he, he was a, a good man. And my mom was, she was, they were good people, but they broke when they broke, you know, I broke, my sister broke and, and it was just flailing for many, many years. Yeah. And I've talked about my story. I mean, it took decades for me to actually find, you know, stability, but also the same, um, theme of like, I'm not going to let my family break. Yep. Like I will fight, yep. you know, uh, you know, I'll grind away, you know, if, yeah. even if it's as bad as it may get, if that comes to be not given this, Correct. not yep. given this, my kids won't go through yeah. this and I can't, you know, so that, and that I, as I listen to your story, I'm like, man, this is so good that, that kids, you know, that have go through divorce, like finding that stability and, and families that would step up and realize like, yeah. that's so important. I mean, yeah. I'm just, and I, I'm just amazed by people's um, love for people and yeah. bringing people into their family. And yeah, that, that was incredible. And were you, are you the oldest? I am. Yeah. I think that plays in a part of how kids react to divorce. Um, for me, I'm the youngest boy. Mm. And so I had a lot of examples of, I mean, we all spiraled out at some point, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, my oldest definitely did the most than the, the second oldest. He so how, out. how old was your oldest brother when the divorce happened? So it's 11. So he's around 15, 16. Oh, okay. yeah. It's right in the heart of growing. So he took it in. And my other brother, who's a year apart from me, um, he was 12. But he he took it to heart as well. Right. Um, to a point where those guys would physically want to fight my dad and yeah. just smile out. And, and they, not only that, it took a huge toll on their lives. On uh, everything, they, yeah. every decision they made, um, whether we thought it was right or wrong, it didn't matter. Uh, they just did it because they just, they're in a rebellion stage, but we had no guidance. What are you, what are you going to do? You're right. young. There's no guidance. You know, things are changing for us. We're moving all the time. We didn't stay. I mean, I went to middle school. I counted it. I went to six different middle schools at that time. And oh. It's only two years in middle school. Right. You know, you know, you know right. six different schools. That is nuts. Stop bragging. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I took it different because my older brother, both of them, um, it was just getting, it was getting out of hand. And I just learned from that. Um, and we were all going the wrong direction, especially when it first started, we all right. went the wrong. But once I started how it started impacting them, by the time I got to a certain age, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way I'm doing that. And even now it's, um, sad to say, like for me, like I was the only one who went to college and I was the only mm. one that did that. And where I'm at in life with work and all that was a different path than where those two went. And they ended up getting better and doing that and and being on the right track. But I think that part of, of that divorce, the divorce definitely set him in a different direction. What is, uh, uh, you you mentioned you were going in the wrong direction. I don't know if you mean your brothers, because you were much younger than your brothers 
or you or both, all of the above. Uh, what does that look like more specifically, the wrong direction? I didn't have a curfew. Um, I didn't have goals. Um, I didn't have money. Um, I st- stole money. I changed tags if, if I could. Um, I just kind of did anything I wanted to do at the time. My mom was a janitor at the time where mm. she worked for uh, um, um, Home Depot <laughs> at one point, And then she went and was a, a janitor at a, a local elementary school in Palmdale. And so we had all the freedom in the world. And that's really what happened. The dynamic between having two parents versus one. Yeah. The parent, the one that's still there means well. They're trying their hardest, but they can't supervise four kids on their own. There's no way, especially if you're working at night shift. So for us, we had yeah. oh we gosh. had a fun time by ourselves. And so we <laughs> we made the rules and it was great. But at the same time, you, you realize like this can go either way here. And yeah. it's, it's not for... You know, everyone wants to blame someone, but to be honest with you, it's 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 really the family structure there. And mm. if you take that away, what else are you gonna do? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a good example of for, like I personally love freedom politically. Mm-hmm. I'm a maximal freedom, individual freedom kind of guy. Um are you about freedom? <laughs> you know, Jeff. Wait, wait, wait. I don't want to let you speak um, right now. Let me take your freedom away. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm, I'm about freedom unless you are doing harm to another. And right now you're doing harm to me, Jeff. So, <laughs> But um, the, the freedom, it's very interesting. The, so I, I'm a fan of Richard Rohr, which if you haven't heard of him, he's a Franciscan uh, Catholic uh, father, Catholic priest. And he has this book that's, Excellent. I highly recommend it for everyone called, um, oh my gosh, I'm blinking on the name right now, but he, he, t- he breaks, it'll come to me. It breaks down first half and second oh, half of life. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. No, but I'm <laughs> glad you said that. For some reason it worked. It's falling upward. Ah, the, yeah, same thing. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, he talks about first half of life versus second half of life and how people that discover freedom, like freedom the way you get to true freedom, you need some structure in the beginning. Correct. So he has some religious views that would be seen as heretical to some, um, a little bit out there, but he wants to bring in um, the more conservative types. Like you need that, you need that structure. And we'll just call it conservative thinking or I don't know, whatever kids, I'm caveating a bunch here and let me try to reset here. Kids need that. Don't cross the street. Yeah. Like, of course, when you grow up, you learn you can cross the street. Yep. So it starts with, you can't go past this at all. There are no circumstances where you cannot go past that line. No freedoms. And then, then it becomes, okay, got to look both ways. Make sure it's safe to go. Then you can go. And at, at a certain point you learn, oh, I can go whenever I want. I just need, I have the wisdom to discern. Right. So there's this like like the structure that kids need, yeah. It which feels counterintuitive to freedom, but it, if they lack that early on, it can be disastrous. That's what I was trying to say for a long time. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, you're, well, you're, like you're, Eminem, you only get one shot, and you did you did okay. It starts with not being able to cross the street. Then you can cross the street. Then you can sell drugs on the corner of the street. Yeah, Write it down, yeah. guys. It's going to be in my book. Yeah. No, you're 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 completely right. I always say if you don't learn how to discipline yourself, someone else will. And if you don't 
like the outcome of that, then that's on you. I mean, you you have to be able to to control yourself, whether that's yourself or kids, whatever your life. But if you're a kid, you don't even know how to do that. You don't. And that's that's the thing. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, A lot of parents think there's one thing to have freedom. I understand that. But that's a double-edged sword there. If untamed freedom is not freedom at all, you're bound to lose that. Mm. It's guaranteed. And I mean, I don't know. I was reading this book, actually, like a former slave, and they interviewed him. And this was, gosh, what's the book? Early, it's not a book. It was an interview of okay. the, this former slave, and he. It was early 1940s, and he was on the last stages before they they, you know, said, "Hey, like you can't have slaves anymore." And they asked a question like, "Hey, what what did you do after that?" And your first thought is like, they're going to celebrate. They're going to have a good time. Things are yeah. going to go great. And he said, they, it, it, it felt like they just let us out like a flock of cows in the middle of the field with nothing to do. Mm. Then you start thinking like, well, okay, they don't have money. They don't have education. They don't have a place to live. What's happening? You got freedom. But at the same time, it's like, you don't know how to manage that freedom. You don't know how to pre- prepare for that freedom. You don't know how to accommodate that and grow that freedom. Um, and that's what, you know, with kids. I mean, if you, if, you, if you let them just run out there and do whatever they want, they're going to try to shape their own form of freedom that's going to be detriment to them in the future. And, again, if, if they don't have that guidance or structure or some example, um, it's easy to create the wrong example in some cases and, and, and land back into, in this case, a different yeah. pr- predicament. That's interesting. That example that you gave in that interview, you know, th- there was no lead up to that Yeah, f- for that person. Like it was just, you know, a life that is all A yeah. and, and, and it's all A up until Thursday. And then on Friday it's B and you've had no encounter with B at all. Oh, no, no clue. And it's funny. I mean, that's, you know, people talk about reparation, all that. Now people who have never been slaves that time. Okay. You can make a government standard of, all right, you guys can have this, you know, whatever. But now you have over 50, if not a hundred years of examples of what to do, right? How to live your life, how to develop your life and how to prosper. Legislation wise up until the seventies, now there's nothing on the books that say you are prohibited to do anything. And that's the, the real definition of racism. Nowadays, it's like a freaking rainbow. You, you have no clue. It's a pie in the sky right now. But the, yeah, real, shifting. Yeah, the real definition is prohibiting someone from doing something based on their race. Yeah. What I'm kind of curious if we can slide into that. So obviously right now, like you pick on the last three months, it's been super interesting. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting adjective to use, <laughs> Andy. <laughs> it's and been... Br- Brian, I get harassed by Jeff because I use the word interesting all the time. So I got to harass Andy for using it. It, it has. Well, I'm choosing. A, I'm You're choosing not wrong. I'm choosing an adjective that anyone can tr- interpret any way they want it. That's really engaging my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I think I think it's interesting on many levels because we all encounter what's been going on based on our own perspectives and our own life stories. And so, uh, and in the same breath, like just as these three white guys right here don't all have the same 
response to things that are going on. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, what what is it like? What is your response in the middle of these last three months? And 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 if you would like, sorry, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add to it. So pick on these last three months, and then feel free to go. And it's not just about these last three months. Yeah. So if you talk to people today, or if you media, you would think that the way they're portraying it, everyone's racist. They think America today is more racist than it was in early 70s, 60s, right. 50s. They, they would literally say that everyone's racist. And it's weird. It's ironic coming off an eight-year term of a president who was black, wife was black, voted twice. You need the, he not only won the majority, but electoral. He won that. He won both right. mm-hmm. against two experienced candidates who were white and were elected twice. People were crying. People were like, oh, my God, this is great. And all of a sudden, you get a guy come in who's outside the, the sphere of, of, of political correctness. Yeah. And, yeah, he should stop tweeting. I understand that. <laughs> God, Just but stop talking. You might want to have less press conferences, too. <laughs> yeah. you know, but he's not a trained politician. And I think if any of us in the room were to be a politician, there's some things we're going to say that – joking matter or whatever the case might be we probably won't tweet it but um everyone's gonna think it's off the cuff but at the end of the day it's like i think he got voted in there for the simple fact that people wanted something different they didn't want the bs in front of them you know they didn't want everyone to kind of sugarcoat it and yeah obama was good at that radically his rhetoric was was phenomenal oh my god and no one and if anyone says like any difference again i i voted for trump get that out there like but Maybe the best politician. Yes, by far. Of the 20th, 21st century. Both 20th and 21st. He was, I know like, there's some thought that Bill Clinton was the first black president, but yeah. <laughs> um, Obama as the second black president was <laughs> I just mean in just terms as of, polished. Like yes, Clinton had he, that too. He had that everyone loved speech Clinton, giving. Played the saxophone. He, sure. Everyone connected with him. And that was great. But if you, you look back on a lot of things, you realize, like, okay, regardless if you're, I always say, if you're a Republican, Democrat, didn't really matter. If you base your life on a party, you're screwed right. from the start. Mm. Already screwed. You're already screwing yourself. Yeah. But I love that. I want you to say that again real slow and deep. <laughs> <laughs> if you base your life on a party, you're screwed. Yeah, if you base your life on a party, you're, you're already screwed. You know, because yeah. it's it's not it's never intended for that. I mean, it it was intended for people, whether you think the same or not, to have the freedom to think differently. Yeah, and they couldn't do that in other countries at that time. You you had to think a certain way, and if you didn't think that way, you shut up. You can't protest. How many times could you could? I mean, even every day, you can't talk about Putin in Russia. No. no, you can't publicize it. You can't put. By a movie the way, in guys, it. I just want to update you. I just read it. Uh, there's still no gay people in Russia. Yeah, so <sighs> it's working. <laughs> <laughs> but you know stuff like that. I mean, they you in America, you can literally do that. You can take a knee, whether you agree with it or not. Sure, you have the freedom to do that. You know, you have the freedom to say whatever you want. Yeah, and that's what's great about this country. But again, without discipline, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you're you're yeah, you're welcome to say whatever you want to and you can accept whatever the outcome of that is too. <laughs> you, that's right. You have to accept the outcome. And that's the big thing about it. Accepting the outcome. 
whether you like it or not. And so in today's climate, I don't think it's, I don't, I think we're better off today than we were, regardless of the president, in regards to, in regards to race relations, we are 10 times better off now than we ever were post seventies or pre Mm seventies. There's, you know, and if anyone wants to argue that there's no way they can, there's no legislation out there. Jim Crow was one of the last ones that they, they got away with uh, in, in the seventies, mm-hmm. but there's no legislation out there saying, I prohibit you from doing this because of your race. So why do so many people disagree with you? They have no clue what's going on. They really don't. If I, when I grew up in LA in Palmdale, again, I grew up Democrat. I believed it. You know, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing well because of X, Y, and Z. I'm not doing well because of this. Well, I think about it in my life when I was still in. Yeah, that's on me if I get mm-hmm. in trouble. That had nothing to do with, uh, you know, systematic racism. That was on me. That's me mm-hmm. systematically screwing my life over. You know, it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with anyone else. And if anyone ever says like, oh, well, oh, let's say Trump's racist. Yeah, everyone says Trump's racist. I would have believed that at that time. But you look at First Step Act, which impacts, okay, black people who majority ones getting arrested. That's the one that that's the one that blows me away when I hear and see people online where from their perspective Trump is not even a broken clock. He's not right twice a day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas he just passed he passed something that it's not perfect. Maybe he doesn't go far enough. That's a different conversation. But he pat. You're talking about the criminal justice reform that he passed Correct. at the encourage because of um, Kim Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. And, and, and think about this: we so, live in a cartoon world. Continue. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so you got you got yes, Kim Kim Kardashian, who's we, married to a black guy, promoting a release of a black woman. Yeah. God damn, that's racist. Yeah. And you left you out know? all the good parts. Yeah. yeah. But you know, but. But that that same proposal that Kim had was actually proposed to Obama, who was a black president. Really? Same proposal. It was actually proposed to, to Bush, too. Neither of them did it. But you got a racist guy, so supposedly, right. who was like, you know what? I really don't like black people, so I'm going to give them more breaks. And maybe, maybe he is racist. For, for argument. Maybe he is. It, it got passed. He signed it. Whatever he is, whatever <laughs> he's more narcissist than racist, though. And when Kanye I'm showed up with that racist. MAGA hat, yeah. he was like, "I'm in." Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> I think I was having a conversation with my wife today about Trump, and I don't think it's. Um, and I'm personally not a fan, but I'm not. I'm not like orange man bad person where it, yeah, whatever he does is wrong. Um, I'm also not a fan of the other side. I'm very much identify with Brian's previous two-party comment. Yeah. But I think he's about Trump and it doesn't matter if it's negative or positive, he wants people talking about him. Correct. So, and that's I mean he he was in media his whole life, you know. And one thing I could say about him, I mean everything everyone thought that the world was going to end when he was, you know. Yeah. They, my school in University of Colorado they were literally when he got elected People were given like free counseling classes because <laughs> they figured the end of the world was going to happen. This guy was going to change the whole world. They were going to get World War Three or you know 
weird, weird stuff. And obviously, first of all, he doesn't want to get into any wars outside of what we have to do. You know, that that last war, that last nuclear uh, deal with um, North Korea, not North Korea, but uh, Iran. Iran. Iran with the Solomon guy. Yeah. Um, great way to handle it. Few people die. No war. Good to go. You know, and again, like you said, we're in the cartoon world. The fact that we're talking about, you know, Trump as a president is is wild, too. But quite literally, because the Simpsons <laughs> called it. Yes. Yeah. Like 15 years ago. It's it's crazy. I mean, between between those two <laughs> candidates, yeah, it. it was a weird. It's weird you yes. know, to have him as it. But you know what? That's what what's crazy about it. California had a governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I know. That's America. I think you, that one was called by the uh, Ronald Reagan. Too. Ronald Reagan was an an, an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Jesse Ventura was the Minnesota governor. Uh, w. He was the yeah. a wrestler. I mean, no, there's, that's right. There's yeah. so many. There's so many. This America. That, but that's America. Oh my gosh! I got so I got. I can't wait for the Rock 2028. Oh, no, <laughs> well, I might vote for a guy that's guaranteeing free ponies to everyone Perfect. if he's. If he's president, oh, that's, so. uh, that's Ver- William Vermin. <laughs> but I want—I wonder. I don't want to talk. Well, we can. We'll, we'll go wherever it goes. Uh, I, Kanye West. Why is he doing? Why is he running for president? In your opinion, because he's random. It it makes no sense at all. But again, where we're at now, I and mean, we got so many randoms. You got the, the last. Election was between Hillary and Trump. Well, out of all the candidates they had available, that's where we landed, you know. And and moving forward, now you got again. I'm looking forward to this next debates. I think they're having three. Trump elected to have four, but they're they're having three between Biden and Trump. They might only have one. Hopefully, yeah. I <laughs> hope they have three, <laughs> and I will throw house parties just, so that we can. I'm gonna have it on watch. record. I think it might have none, but uh, keep going. They, they might have more viewers than The Bachelor. Oh my gosh! You know? But at the end of the day, it's or I mean, The Apprentice, yeah. which maybe maybe that's why they won't happen because we don't want The Apprentice want. ratings to be damaged. True, true. I don't know. Keep but, going. I mean though. that that's the I mean that's the world we're in now, and and to be honest with you, it's. It just it's just what it is. So it's Kanye, very interesting. Yeah, what Kanye what Kanye come into? I mean, if you would ask that uh, ten years ago, I would have been like. Ah. But now it's like it feels like a free for all. Yeah, well, I can't. I can't wait for that first debate when when uh, President Trump puts like some insure and a no dose right on the Biden's first words. Come on, man! Come on, come on, man! <laughs> so. Uh, I saw I saw an interesting clip today, and it was uh, I was I was digging through. Do you know who Jason Whitlock is? Yes. Okay, I was digging through his tweets, and he re- who is Jason Whitlock for the listener? Jason Whitlock is a former ESPN analyst um, personality. I think he's been on Fox too. I don't he, I don't know where he's at now. He's a sports commentator. Yes, and okay. and yeah. and uh, personality, and 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 so he. I, I think basically he got kicked off of those networks because of his viewpoints. He's like Charles Barkley, only a little bit more. <laughs> like Charles Barkley speaks. Oh. He, he doesn't. He, he'll say things that most people would get them kicked off, and yeah. somehow Charles Barkley's That's immune. Good. That's kind of how Jason Whitlock is. Yeah, he's Charles Barkley's Charles Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But there was this interesting clip that, that he had posted, and um, and I, I didn't know the full context. All I saw was you know, there was some sort of protest going on, and um, uh, there's a black woman who was pretty pissed off at this white kid who had a mask on and a sign, and his mask said BLM. Okay. And the gist of her point was, I don't need you to be defending me. Mm-hmm. And, and the kid was like, ah, uh, he, he was stuck. He didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. And it goes for like two minutes where she, she, she rails for two minutes and, and it's like, and it, and it, it ranges from that point that I made, like, I don't need you to defend me mm-hmm. to, do you know what BLM stands for? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I and I watched that whole thing, and I was like, "This is this is interesting," and, and I can only I can only take this through my own perspective and and experience. But um, but this is part of the question that I, I wanted to ask you too. Is like as we look at this general thing, we BLM is a thing that I feel like it didn't it. This this is not the first time it surfaced. It did during uh, first time was. Against uh, during President Obama, when right. they had that uh, what's that first killing that everyone talks about? Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson. Yeah. Yep. Okay. President Obama. I mean, we had multiple issues, so-called. Not multiple. It's only like two, to be honest with you. Um, and Ferguson was they had Black Lives Matter during that time. Yeah. So I'm being a little. I'm I'm kind of being purposely vague, but I'm I'm giving you these bits and pieces, and and some of it is just to kind of get a general reaction because because I've heard such I've heard the full spectrum of reactions from 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 white people, from Mexican people, and black people, uh-huh. whatever. Everyone seems to interpret this. What about Asians, Andy? Very differently. Yeah. Uh, Them too. <laughs> listen, Persian. All the peoples. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> if you say I forgot what I was going to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna show myself out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I think the point is is it seems like BLM is polarizing. Yes. Um, and so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the the alley oop, and I'm gonna let you dunk this. What do you take? What's your take on it in general? Do you even know sports? He played football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't agree with Black Lives Matter. I mean, it stays. It states. It states in their mission statement that they are. Their mission is to dismantle the nuclear family or Western civilization family. So when you see when, before you go on, when you see an um, average person saying Black Lives Matter on the street, like I've seen people around here where they're taking their family out and they're they just have a sign and they're it's not like organized. They're just out there. Yep. Do you think they're a part of that, or is that is there a difference between ge- the general statement "Black yeah. Lives Matter" and the organization? I, I think people are just misled. Hmm. We're naturally inclined to want to do the right thing, and helping others out is part of that. We want to help others out, but if your whole mission is to number one segregate and say and and refuse to say all lives matter, that's segregation. Because if you say all lives matter or white lives matter, all of a sudden you're a racist. Or let's say like, all right, let's say um, your name says Black Lives Matter. In your mission statement, you have 
LGBTQ plus plus plus, whatever the case might be, dismantle a family, the list goes on with transgender, all kinds of other stuff. Okay, now if you look at the the record, 95% of blacks are killed by blacks. Mm. 95. Mm. And they're killing, and, and so crime rates have gone up, and it's not white versus black, it's really black on black crime. Mm. So it's significantly thousands of black people die, whether it's a kid from the age of two years old, which happened two, three weeks ago, mm. who was shot by, they had a disagreement at a party, they got mad, yeah. they came back, shot up the party, two years got killed, along with multiple other victims. But where's, where's Black Lives Matter for that? Where's Black Lives Matter of the last, let's say, um, and this didn't happen. Let's say like during the Martin Luther King days, MLK days, mm-hmm. right? They had a, a true nuclear family, yeah, family structure. They fought right. for f- true freedom for all across the board. So at that case, his slogan would be all lives matter. Now it's black lives matter. And we don't care if you say white lives matter or black is king on Disney now with Beyonce. You can't say white is king now. That's racist. So is that segregation to me? Is that, is that, you mean to tell me? And then for that, that guy says it's a white, every white person's nowadays, they don't say every white person's racism, but then they get mad when a white person's fighting for them. Oh no, that's not, you shouldn't, that's not your place. White privilege. Yeah. Reparations, all that stuff's going on right now. They're led by Black Lives Matter. Where's reparations for all the white people? 100,000 white people died fighting for a different skin color. We did win the war. Confederate flag did not win. No one in the South won. I mean, that last time I checked, that was history. And you think a lot of black people had guns at that time? Um, no. So white people were doing that. There, you don't see that down there. And, and so it, the list goes on. If you really care about black lives, you should start on the route. Go to downtown LA. How many poor people you see out mm. there? How many black people are getting killed? I mean, the list go on. If you really care about Black Lives Matter, okay, let's talk about every everyone except for, well, including that, uh, uh, George Floyd committed a crime. That's one thing, all right? Let's set that aside. You don't commit crime starting off. That's step one. We're now in this next phase. All right, everyone agreed that that cop was in the wrong. Understand? He's actually being, he got, uh, uh, he's prosecuted for second degree murder. People around him got fired. What other justice do you want? You know. Have you, have you seen? Oh, I wish Scott was here. Um, the the uh, the video that got released of the body cam footage. Have you seen that? The full leading up to full it. One? Yeah. And a lot of people are saying. I, I'm seeing people say the police were escalating every step of the way, and I'm seeing people kind of doing the flip side of that. That shows that he was struggling more. Um, I don't know what what gets lost is a guy died that shouldn't have died. Correct. And I feel like when that happened, when the initial video got released, um, there was universal outcry. Correct. I mean, even people like Sean Hannity, which. I've seen similar, not similar, I've seen racist or racial relations 
videos that get released where Sean Hannity, he's going to go to bat for the authority yeah. figures. Uh, but even he was like, right away, everyone was like on board with like, oh my God, there might be a problem. And whether it's, it's racist, racial or not, there's definitely a problem. There's something going on with the cops. Um, a routine and, stop shouldn't end like that. Correct. We're, we're losing that. I yeah. think we're losing. Yeah. I think what's happening now with, and I know I might be taking us in a different direction and I'm speaking way over my head, but we are like, there was this unified structure of everybody being like, this is a problem. And Correct. maybe yeah. we disagree with, maybe it would, people jump on, it is racist. The cop killed him because he was black. And then, um, which God, if, if we could crawl inside his head, we would know that. But yeah. um, maybe wh whether it was that or not, either way, the, the guy died. It shouldn't have happened. Correct. Yeah. No matter the reasons, yep. crime or not. Correct. And no one's arguing that point. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, but that's getting lost, I think. There lost. was a unifying factor, which everybody was condemning that. And now it's getting lost because of race. Race, protests, black lives. I, I don't know the reason exactly. It's, well, it's honestly race because before everyone agreed that was wrong. Yeah. Everyone knew the guy, criminal activity, well, they knew that was wrong. But the actions that led after it, everyone understood like that was clearly wrong. And yeah, he was on drugs at the time. Okay. That doesn't mean let's kill him. Right. You right, know, right. so everyone agrees that. But when you start bringing in like, oh, every cop's racist, there are more dead cops. Even today, year to date, then there were dead black people that got shot and killed. No, no one wants to say that. And again, that's another life as well. And these are guys who put their lives in jeopardy every day to police, police other black people in those communities. And so most inner city kids, what do we, well, most parents tell you like, all right, watch out. Don't be on the streets because you might get shot and killed. Every inner city kid knows that. It's not because white people are out there shooting black guys it's other black guys and so you need policing in those cities because they're protecting black people so you got white cops black cops and let's say like the new city chaz of uh seattle takeover whatever <laughs> chaz the head chop the, the, chop yeah the head of police department is black yeah you know like wait a minute you mean to tell me there she's systematically arresting all no but she's a black woman that's worth 17 and points it's, and it's she's a woman but I, th I think uh, a lot of, I, so I just want to make it clear right now going forward, I'm sitting in a very relaxing bouncy chair, leaning back, but I, and it's incredible, it's incredibly He's uncomfortable, so old. it's incredibly uncomfortable, comfortable to do so. But I assure you, no matter what I say going forward, I am on my tippy toes, which is weird because I'm sitting down. Um, but this, people would say that there is, um. The people in charge are black for some of these communities, the mayors, chief of police, but it's part of a system. So it's like, it goes beyond who they are personally. It's part of a system that is racist. And uh, that's why this continues to happen. So what, what do you think about that, Brian? The only thing I would agree on with is it's, I will call it an internal system. It's not external. Mm. And the only reason I say that is Obama, being black, who met Michelle Obama at a graduate law school program, two black people there who made it to the highest office in the world, per se. 
Mm-hmm. Systematically, what are you talking about? She might get there too. You know, she. You know, Oprah. He hasn't announced his VP yet. There's yeah. a chance. <laughs> I think you if he announced her, he might he would win. You know, <laughs> the, put him over the I top. mean, there there's so many things that you can say. Systematic of what? I would say, all right, internally, like we talked about earlier, is, is the lack of family structure. Huge. Why? Why is that part of the of the? Andy's on his tiptoes too right now. Too, I'm just like, <laughs> it's hard for me to to figure out why that is justified as part of BLM's essential. Correct, and that's manifesto. why I urge everyone to go on. You look at it; they'll list George Floyd, and they like Ferguson. They'll list yeah. that at the start, and then they'll go into LGBTQ. Then they'll go into transgender, and then they say dismantle the nuclear family. It's under their mission statement on their website. Everyone can go on there. I didn't make that up. Yeah, that's part of their agenda there. But again, I think they've softened the words because I saw a lot of a lot of reaction from my more right leaning friends on social media, and I I feel like the wor- the verbiage is it's still there. You can find it. That's but it's, okay. The internet's forever. We can find it. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can definitely you can definitely even now. I'm not disagreeing up, with yeah, you, but I I, th- I was I was shocked when I I heard that. I'm like. You know what? That's BS. There's no way. No way. Yeah. And then you look at it. It is on there. You know, and, and the biggest thing within black community, we spoke about it early. A freedom is a, a double-edged sword. And when you have no sense of direction, mm-hmm. if you're not self-disciplined, someone else is going to discipline. And whether you like the result or not, you're yeah. going to be disciplined somehow if you make the wrong decision. And you don't get a say in what that discipline is going to be. So when you're dismantle the family or there's no father in home it has nothing to do with you know some people tell me oh well the government will incentivize fathers not to be part of the home which is true they'll they'll give you hey you have how many kids okay that's certain amount of dollars per kid is a father in the house nope you get more money right and you're thinking like all right so you're incentivizing families to basically feed off the government system and not and not grow yeah i have family that they were uh living in long beach um, and it, it was that their income level was that if he left, they would have, she would have made more money with the kids. Correct. Like or if you work over a certain amount of hours, if you exceed a certain amount of hours, you get paid less in addition to your government spending. And so yeah. the biggest thing, like I said before, if your whole life's based on government, whether it's red or blue, you're in the wrong. The self, your, your number one Life determining like factor, you know, what you need to do to grow life or or grow internally and 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 manifest a family is think about what can I do to better myself? What can I do to better my family? So I'm really curious about this because I think your opinion. Well, if if all I did was uh look at the media portrayal of Black Lives Matter. And um, and the talking heads that were were put in place to to um, explain it, <laughs> <laughs> explain it to us to, um, see, to teach us, Andy. They're teaching us. Uh, it's not your position is different, and and what I don't know is um, how typical is your response. For I, I can't ask you to speak for all black people, 
You just did. Yeah. Too late. It's not. It's not. What if I was? <laughs> it's not. It's not typical. It's. It's really not because there's two. I mean, it could be my personality too. I decide. Hey, look, I am the master outside of God of my my destiny, and I truly believe that. Whether I want to be just mediocre, whether I want to be okay, or whether I want to be great. Is truly determined on what I do. You work in, you work so hard yeah. to be mediocre. <laughs> no. And 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 here's an analogy here too. And you get people that say, you know what, they start off as disadvantaged because yeah. of slavery. They had no clue what they're doing, and blah 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 blah. Okay, let's just relate this to what everyone knows: football. You got a lot of talented players out there, great players. I mean, they're freaking awesome out there. And then you got some guys that just. Regular Joe Schmo is they're not good. They're not talented. Yeah. So you're telling me just because of that disadvantage, he should just quit and not even fight? Or you should tailor the game around that individual. No, you don't do that. Most individuals, and, and it's a personality thing, it's a personal choice. I know a lot of walk-ons that don't have to pay, they pay an enormous oh. amount of money to play the game that we all love. But also there are really paying money to go to school where us guys who don't pay for that, all we have to do is play a game and get beat up. And we don't, we're getting basically paid to do that. Regardless of how it goes. Yeah. Regardless of how it goes. You get a guy that is not as gifted, not as talented, who's also paying to be a part of something and putting his heart in it because he wants to do it. And there's a lot of players that, they went from walk-on to full scholarships just for the simple fact that they were out there and they're busting their ass. Relate that back to life. Okay, you start off as disadvantaged. Maybe your great, great, your ancestors, whatever, were, were slaves. Okay. Slave ended. You know, like last legislation out there was early 70s. We got all these years in between and most of these guys have no clue, have no connection to that. You know, I get this younger crowd, my age, about, and they're saying that they're entitled to things that happened to generations before. That so, it doesn't make so sense. So let me ask you about that. Um, uh, the and you mentioned uh, you mentioned reparations before. Um, is there is there a case for repara- reparations? And I'll say personally. I grew up super conservative, very conservative politically, where the idea of reparations was, well, no, come on, um, everybody work, pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, There's no such thing as that. <laughs> bootstraps have not been around for like 200 years. <laughs> but, uh, and then what do you think about, because now currently it's like, there are bootstraps to pull yourself up on and maybe they're different for everyone. And occasionally there are no bootstraps. Yep. Um, and so I, I could see people hearing what you're talking about. Like, yeah, great. If you have enough of a bootstrap to fully beat this dead horse, um, you can maybe pull yourself up in your own way, but some people don't. And the reason some people don't is because of actual racist laws. Like property laws and how people could move to certain spots. They they had zoning, but again, 
after the seventy, they don't have such things. But now, like, so my question. Okay, that, that's a that's a good point. My my question is, what about for is there uh, is there a way? Is there an argument for some sort of reparations based on people that are directly families that are directly impacted still today because of those laws? It's not like those laws went away. Those laws didn't didn't go away and then automatically those people are thriving now. They're still living in situations that are terrible. Correct. Um so you you go back to and I, I would say two things. By the way, I just want to say I have thoughts on this. I am way over my head right now. No, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so you think about it during the MLK days. If you look at not only pictures, the stuff they went through. Yeah. And this is that. This is post slavery. The actual rules and legislation, Jim Crow, true segregation. You go to restaurants and it says clearly, whites only, blacks hundred years past slavery. Yeah, yeah hundred years past slavery. Which is super creepy. And they were disconnected yeah. to that. But their families flourished and owned home, more homes than families did today. Black families. Uh, what do you think is... And the divorce rate was... That. The divorce rate went from around... It was 25%. Yeah. To now 70-something percent. And it, and to be fair, it has also like... I don't think it's... I don't know if it's the same exponential jump, but... but but for white people too. Correct. White people were at, at, at 52, 56 around there. Don't call me, but the dismantling, but it, it does, con- it does connect back to the general, like cultural overarching idea of the dismantling of the nuclear family. Correct. And so you mean to tell me people feel like they are demanding or earn reparations today. Whereas during the MLK days, the family structure was together. They own more property. Than most blacks today, they lived together as a group, and they were subjected to more racism, clear racism, true mm. racism than families are today. And again, hundred years after slavery was abolished, yeah. And, and you think about so that. Where's it, what's what drives that? What that? Why people demand that? What what is the, what is the motivating factor for that position today? given the factors that you just described. If, if you, I think the root, again, everyone wants to do something right. And if you're a slave and all, all that, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. But there's no, no one was a slave. In today's time, no one's ever been a slave. Maybe if you live in a different country, maybe. Yeah, here but in, in the U.S. Here in the U.S., no one has ever been a slave for the last hundred years. You're not entitled to, to the lashings that they got a hundred plus years ago. You're not taught. You never felt it. MLK never felt that, but they felt true racism and segregation. You don't feel that today. And so if you want to see a, a huge, I don't know, backlash between races, start reparation. Because white people are like, why the hell do I have to spend more taxes to pay for someone who's never been a, ra- uh, a slave? Yeah. Whatever you think about reparations, uh, listener, I'm not talking to you guys, and also you guys, but whatever you think about re- reparations, um, you can see there there are white identitarian movements that seem to be growing or... That's good. Not a least, word, but at, it's good. At least... <laughs> at, at, what's that? Identitarian. 
It is a word. It is now. Look it up. Google, Google, Google. I manifest words. I'll put it in Wikipedia before this podcast goes out so that we know it's a thing. There are... I'm not I'm not comfortable with them. Uh but they're the fruit of some of this like ra- the racial justice talk does seem to be creating white identitarian uh for lack of a better word or that is a word. No, now. that's a word. I stand corrected. Okay. Well, you can define it in a second. You were great about putting this on Wikipedia before this podcast started and there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of information on it Suck and it. I'm impressed by how much you put in there. Suck it, Andy. All right. <laughs> Corrections and re- retractions on the fly. But do any of us like the idea of white identity movements rising up to you know, to claim some sort of political power. That feels really gross to me, but I don't think it's... Um, it's I, not just happening. I think it's a reaction to certain things. Back at the beginning of our country, there was a war between the Italians and the Irish. 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 It's pronounced and, Italians. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Rocky. <laughs> And there, and there was a war between these two um, groups of Gangs people of that York. were. Co- oh well, there's a even right? great, great movie brutal. Too. But you have you have this, this battle, and some people you know survive it, and some people don't. Some people end up on the short end, and and some people don't, and and it becomes like a survival of the fittest. The you know most strategic who can politic better and and gain some power and then and that's the kind of the the gist of what's going on right now like well who had the power and it's like you know what this has been going on for all of human existence it's always been here to capture to try and capture this in one snapshot within like this election year in the United States is like, okay, I'm not exactly sure all the people out there protesting even care. They're just, maybe they're getting paid. Maybe it's just a fun thing to do. Maybe I think a lot of them care. They just don't know. Well, yeah. they don't have a Most clue of, of what, of how the whole, just the entire uh, system functions well. If you tear down the things that want to tear down, mm. there'll be nothing left and it'll be, you will have anarchy. You know, long before this, it's, it's funny. Long before any of this stuff ever came up uh, for years, I listened to the Adam Carolla podcast okay. and he would get interviewed by people all the time. And they're like, what do you think your answer? What's your answer to how things can work? And he's like, two things. He goes, you don't need to enact tons of legislation. You don't, you need to fix two things, good families and education. You do those two things and the rest of the stuff will work itself out. Yeah. And they're like, well, clearly it needs to be more, it's more complicated than that. He's like, no, actually it's not. It's it's not. It's not more complicated than that. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's less government the way it was intended to be. Right. Was the true definition of freedom. And not only that, self-regulated freedom. And for now, them to say like, you know, government has to dictate this. When we're talking about government handouts or whatever the case might be, it's not efficient, number one. 
everyone's been to the DMV. Anything government related, you know, and and you know it's and here's well, the, <laughs> I mean, as someone who's, who's watched the first half of Hamilton, I think I know what but, you're talking about. Yeah. But another example is, and, and people who mean to do well, but they end up messing it up. Is every year, every time we have to vote for something, they always say, "Let's increase taxes for funding for schools." Well, all right, I'll do that. I'll hundred percent every year. I'll do that. But why is it every year we get cut? And funding in regards to schools. Programs are cut. Class sizes are still big. There's no expansion in regards to what we're going to do to help the students out on an individual base level. It's usually administration. It goes through yeah. all the filters. But you mean, I'm get, again. You got a school teacher here too. I can tell you from the you inside. Tell some, in theory, I love, and again, I'd say yes, 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 every time. I'll pay taxes for that. Seems but like the right I thing. I really would love to see it really take an effect and help schools out and you, you're a teacher so you, you can talk on this. Uh, on that we've probably increased 50 percent in administrative positions being created than teachers getting paid or students getting you know science funding and like yeah. supplies and stuff so it's all staying at the top it's not trickling down at all i'm looking forward to my new side hustle as a school administrator <laughs> someone says someone told me like well jeff when are you gonna become a principal i'm like i don't want that headache and you know and then i started looking at him like wow 150 grand i don't want that do headache what? and all that yeah. all i gotta money. do is supervisor yeah. like my superintendent just retired last week he sent out a message i'm like great time to pull the ripcord yeah yeah and he probably made like Four hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm like, that's nice. See, but again, affecting the kids yeah. and the teachers that are on the ground doing it, it, it doesn't happen. But again, it's one of those things. In theory, you want to do the right thing, but you let government get involved, and it goes in a different direction. I think it's like a. Uh, I think there's this. If you look at the government as an organism, or these individual systems at as like organisms generally organisms want to grow and thrive. And so if you talk to each individual person, are it, you talking about COVID? Yeah, actually this <laughs> encompasses everything. And I'm going to fix it right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, you take any individual person and you talk to them, no matter where they're at in government or administration in school or wherever you're going to be like, Oh yeah, I believe in what you're doing and you believe it. And each individual person totally you can make a case like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's what we should be doing. But on like a meta level, is that the right word, Andy? On like a 30,000 foot view. I'll approve it. You got this. Um, you got this thing that needs to grow or at least maintain itself. And so I think that's the way government is in general, where each individual thing, all the little pork spending and everything, all the people represent, representing constituents, they can justify it. And if you were to talk to them on an individual level, you'd be like, oh, I believe you. And I think you're right. And yeah, you should get that money. Yeah. But when you expand it out to a, to the biggest level, it's like, this is a thing that is growing. And yeah. how do we, how do we like spend the money better or change it in a way that's more yeah. wise? Like that's really difficult. Yeah. And, and, and you can talk about this as well. Um, in theory, again, being a tenured teacher, I think they deserve it. I think they should get paid more. But if you're a horrible teacher, you're a horrible teacher. 
You know, and I, I think he looked at Jeff. He looked right at Jeff when he said that. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about the teacher who had like <laughs> Coors Light and Budweiser boxes as her bookshelves. I'm like, seriously, for sixth graders, do you have to have that yeah. on the? Like, that's just stupid. And then I heard they were sending her like our teachers never here because the district had no way to fire, her, so they just kept sending her to Correct. like to in services to be a better teacher and to improve to hopefully burn her out to where she's like, I quit. I quit. Yeah, but. System like that, I mean, it's a it's a mandated rule that they do it. And again, the teachers that work hard, they deserve it, and they yeah. should get paid more. I really, I, they should do that. It's a good incentive, but they should get paid more. But then you get now you're you're trying to make it for all. I mean, you don't have a lot of great teachers out there. No, not even in this room. And so, if you're- <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think Zach brought up a good point. Things just start to grow and grow and grow, and then you can't cut that you, fat. You, correct. It's yeah. you can't go backwards. It's yeah. so hard to go back. Like we're in this pandemic, it's so hard to go backwards. Both and go Republicans ba- and Democrats, if if there's a cut to the growth of spending, they have both used like, right. "Oh, you're cutting this thing," and it's like, "No, we're we're just." Pairing back how much we're increasing it, but it's still going up. Yeah, you're still going yeah. up. But they both use that card. However, uh, well, just to stick with the thought, it's like if you add all these administrators and you add all these positions and you add all the fat to what doesn't need to be there, like teachers yeah. know how to teach Correct. and here are the students and then we've got an administrator, we're good. Yeah. But there's like 400 layers that have been attached to this whole thing. State programs. It's oh, just yeah. terrible. And there's yeah. so much red tape and you, you then can't be a great teacher because I'm like, where are my, where's all my science supplies to do, you know, where's my microscopes and just like stupid stuff like sand and buckets and little things where we would actually do things or, and I'm like, I don't have any of that. Mm. And that person's getting paid $200,000 a year to do, to like create something. So maybe I have another option of things to use in my, you know, arsenal of, you know, teaching. I don't like this, like, but the problem is if you said, okay, yeah, we'll go back. Then you cut all those jobs. And now we've got a little bit of a reset. (laughs) We're in a problem mode. Cause now we've just, we've cut a massive uh, piece of the population but yeah. and that's, can't go backwards. And that's, you know, when government gets involved, you get to a point where you got to be able to self-regulate. And again, I keep touching on this, but uh, let's say a capitalistic society, and that, that's like a bad word these days, but it self-regulates. You know, it, it, if you're being competitive, meaning you're trying to produce a good that not only attracts more people or more demand, but it allows individuals to better their lives as individuals. That's going to grow. Or if you're, it if rewards. It, it's a merit-based system that yeah, rewards excellence, which is which is colorblind. And people, you know, that's everyone says iffy about colorblind, mm-hmm. but that's what people truly fought for in during yeah. MLK: being colorblind, being able to have the same playing field, number one, and not be talked about black is king on disney now or black lives matter but you can't say all lives matter you every commercial i see there's something about black is king and there's someone on on uh linkedin coming like facebook linkedin that says i love it when i see black people win you can't say that with white people you can't say like hey like i love it when white people win you can't say that's segregation and the argument against that is that white people have had the power and so therefore 
um, by it, default, it, they need to lose it. I mean, it it's how, okay. what's, what's, yeah, yeah. And, and you my had your turn. My question to that is like, um, well, when do we know where the line happens? And, and so, let me make this biblical for a second, if you guys don't mind. This is Bros Bibles and beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> we gotta fit the Bible part of there. We've got about the Bros and beers. We nailed that one. Wander for forty years right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Every time I open I watered the podcast for 40 minutes. <laughs> and so now I'm going to say, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> no, oh. you didn't. Well, you know, what was Brian just saying there? Well, Brian, uh, if, if I can paraphrase, there, there's an interesting, uh, you've been consistent all night long in that, that you you are really calling out that that uh, personal responsibility is it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, that 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 is consistent throughout, uh, and it, and it is deterministic in what your outcome is going to be. Yep. And and you've said it a lot of different ways, but basically, it's like you can choose to be um, to take responsibility for your life, yep. or you can have someone else do that for you. Yep. You got two options. That's pretty much it. There's no in between. Right. If you're on the fence, you're on the decay. Right. You're, you're on the decline, per se. And as an individual, maybe because of sports too, or again my personality, I no one told me, "Hey, I'm a you'll be the starting running back if you do nothing." No one's ever said that. They never said that. Hey, you know what? Since you're here, I'm gonna guarantee you a starting position. No, they're like, "I'm gonna give you a shot." Yeah. But there's no guarantee that I'm going to play. We got one football, 11 guys on the, on, or 22, if you include defense and offense. Right. There's no guarantee I'm going to get the ball. Yeah. You know? I got to work for that. I got to show that I'm, I'm relevant in the, in the source of a team that I can contribute as a team. In some cases, you don't get the ball, but you can contribute as a teammate. Sure. Yeah. But it's based you can on find you your contributing. Role. Yeah. I, I'm not going I'm I may have run maybe at my peak a four six forty. I uh <laughs> am not gonna run a four two what was your what, what, was, yeah, your, what was your a four three four later? Four time. three four? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's I got lucky, fucking, thank that's, God. I, that's that is fucking fast. I have to use that got, word. That is lucky, so fast. <laughs> I did run a four six forty in in high school, but See? not bad. I felt great and it could never be replicated <laughs> ever again. i don't think i ate breakfast that morning yeah. <laughs> i was a little bit lighter i think i think people have and i've heard this uh, other places about over socialization of of just young people in general and young adults is that the likes and the being a part like i'm a part of it yeah and it's like okay you there's that's not real world. Yeah, you that's not. It's virtual over socialization, right? right? You, you're you're living in a la la land, and and Disney's only out there, you know, saying whatever they're saying because they're like, we do not want to get sued. Yeah, this is all liability. Like, cover ourselves. Yeah, any way we yeah, can. Black Lives Matter used to be punk. Now go, it's corporate. Go, <laughs> right. That's not, Jason Whitlock's cool. point. Yeah. Whitlock's <laughs> point is like you are a corporate mascot. You, Finish, keep keep going, well, Jeff. The, I, can the idea back. of that you now have a ton of um, young adults who think the world is just supposed to be given to them, yeah. and 
and they're using social media as a weapon to go after anybody and it's like if I had kept going, like I had done an initial post on Facebook, if I had kept going down that road, I'd be fired today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no doubt about it uh, that, yeah. that I'd be done, and because people would just keep coming after me, and I'm like, I haven't done anything. Freedom of speech, but what, what's yeah. I haven't done? I haven't hurt anybody. I'd be fired because the the PR of it all reigns supreme right now. And people are just trying to cover themselves and like, just don't step in that honey pot. You're going to get stuck. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, so that's my, um, those are my thoughts on yeah. like the corporations covering themselves and where our young adults in general are. We have a mass amount of people that are just virtually, there's over-socialized. And if, and if you're a corporation and you're not saying the right thing, like, if you have a big enough corporation, the the mob mentality on social media is such that, oh, you're not you're not speaking out against this in the way we thought. So it just takes enough enough of a tweet snowball yeah. to like speak against a corporation, and so it's forcing companies. By the way, big picture, Meta. I think ultimately, I'm I'm optimistic that we are moving the ball forward in an ultimate positive way. Correct. Yep. In spite of individual things that we hate, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, I think we, the ball's moving forward with overreactions on the pendulum that yep. people are uncomfortable with, myself included. But I, I'm just like companies saying companies like uh, declaring their righteousness, using the right words. Uh, it's just it's just weird, and it's not satisfying to me. It's like they. Right now, the the bottom line moves with this movement, so they're saying that. And are we really satisfied with that? And it looks like Andy has some paper in front of him. That's a physical paper. This is how old I am. I printed things out. Look at this. It's ridiculous. And look at. Did that come from trees? Oh my old man. gosh! Did you waste trees? Today? This was made with real trees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it's ridiculous, but uh, I have yet to encounter anyone who who like genuinely. Let's let's set aside the the rhetoric that that sits sits alongside the BLM as an organization. I have yet to encounter a single person personally or in the media who's like who disagrees with that. Yeah. Who disagrees I'm, with what? With the, the idea that Black Lives Matter. Yeah. The idea that they, they the, can't. The idea, the idea that racism yeah. is bad. Like I'm not I'm yeah. not finding those people. Okay, yeah. this is Jason Whitlock. All right, so I'm going to read a little bit of his uh, stuff, and and he's controversial, and he's interesting, and and so by uh, the way, this podcast is controversial, and I want to thank Brian for coming on here I like and it. making it controversial. Thank and you guys. not yeah. the last time you're going to be on this podcast, buddy. I appreciate. I, I probably I want to speak for myself without being specific. I ha- I probably have minority views in this room, and if this a lot of this shit we're talking about is stirring stuff up for you. Uh, we have email addresses and Twitter accounts and all that stuff. And we want to continue this conversation because I know when, when all these things are being talked about, we can't cover every angle from every story. We're just having a conversation and drinking a little bit of booze and a little bit of beer. It's really mean, good. In two hours, can't we cover all the topics in the world? <laughs> Feels like we can. Maybe someday. We're working towards that. All right. If it's okay, I'll share this. If it's not, then I'll share this. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, this is Whitlock. Imagine Brooklyn Dodgers general manager Branch Rickey signing Jackie Robinson to be a mascot rather than a second baseman. That's what BLM is at this point. Corporate America's lovable, lovable, ugh, lovable mascot. Whiskey, stop it. Lovable mascot, a, desc- a decorative symbol to be God, bought. Joe Biden is like bleeding into your brain right <laughs> I can't now. Even help it. Who wants to read this? I can't even read this. Come on, man. Come oh. on, man. Listen, I'm fit, fit for this. You take your heroin test? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. That's what BLM is at this point. Corporate America's lovable mascot, a decorative symbol to be bought and plas- plastered on a field to ward off accusations of systemic racism. When fans return to the ballpark, commemorative, quote-unquote, I'm not racist t-shirts, ball caps, and jerseys will be available to the public for just $29.99. Is that an actual thing, or is he saying there will be a version of that? T-shirts and ball caps that say BLM will be the version of I'm not racist, and you can buy those for $29.99. Okay, okay. We used to fight for opportunity, a chance to compete at the highest level of athletically, academically, and and financially, um, now we're fighting for public pandering and payoffs to charities that fight social injustice and highly compensated speaking engagements. It's insulting. Are we really that cheap, that clueless? He does not pull any punches. Yeah. And what I love about yeah. that is he's making, a, he's making a great point, regardless of where you stand on how much race is involved with, uh, with George Floyd or like what? What? Whether? Well, no, no matter where you're at in the on the spectrum, like he's making a a really good point look, about corporations taking advantage. And he's got other articles that are really hard for me as a lifelong Laker fan to swallow because he is not <laughs> complimentary of LeBron James' position and what how he uses his position. Correct, and yep. I am internally conflicted. What is that? that? Uh, Specifically, with that, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, uh, his his general position, Whitlock's position, is that um, he struggles with uh, LeBron in LeBron's position uh, advocating for the things that he does because he's kind of like, yeah, and you've got $500 million in the bank, yeah. and the things that you're advocating against clearly didn't happen to you or aren't happening to, to you. You've overcome them. Yep. Or anyone he's around. And, it, yeah. And the circle that surrounds you. Yeah. And so it's, it's a little hard to believe coming from you and any, the word that he uses or the words that he uses is that you are stoking Rachel, uh, racial animus. Yeah. So the, the big thing, if we were to take it statistically, no one's no one's saying no one's racist. No right. one's ever said that. Right. Everyone, you know, even me, you know, if something's racist, I'll let you know. But everything that's been presented today's day and age, it's not racist. And for let's say Klan's member or white nationalists, as they always like to say it, it's less than one hundred thousand people in the United States. We got three hundred thousand people or three hundred million. Yeah. People in the United States. Anyone yeah. took stats and you look at that percentage. And you mean to tell me that the majority slash every system, every company, everyone's racist? 
that's that's not realistic. I mean, it's even in that, yeah, that doesn't discount like people are racist. Okay. But it's not that much. It's there's nowhere near. There's no evidence that says that. You can tell me that some people are racist, but it's statistically speaking, not everyone in the United States is racist. Like they're trying to portray it. It's no way. And the companies that end up doing well and continue to grow and I love and I'll always support them too. Would let's say Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A. They went against the so-called grain. Mm-hmm. They steadfast of what their beliefs were, and they were rewarded heavily. They're, they're, they took an impact just like anything yeah. like up front. But then next you know, they exponentially grew. Because the sandwich is incredible, and no <laughs> one can deny and it. And no one cares what your belief is. If the sandwich is great, it's great. <laughs> Why do you have to input race in it? Yeah. That, that's the issue. So- in regards to Black Lives Matter, why does it have to be just Black Lives? We understand what you're so-called trying to say, which they're not trying to say. But at the end of the day, it's all lives matter. Black, white, Mexican, whatever you want to say. Which is weird. Like we, Everybody agrees with that. Everyone the, the weird thing, left, right, everybody, if you, everyone if you agrees. take the politics out and you say, yeah. don't worry about freaking out with my phrase, do all lives matter? Every, everyone's going to say yes. And then it's like Black coronavirus. Black. Do you know anyone who feels differently about it's that? It's like we're in yeah. a video Do you know game. anybody yeah. who has you know? it? <laughs> and so it's it just... <laughs> this guy might. <laughs> going, it just... When you start bringing race in, out of just anything, you mm-hmm. know, like I went to a store and I was the only black person. You know, I, I was talking to a friend the uh, uh, other day and he says, you know, I, I like diversity. So I live where there's diversity. You know, Orange County doesn't have diversity. I thought he was talking about an old wooden Civil War <laughs> <Yeah>. era. <laughs> I'm like, diversity. What's diversity? Yeah. I was like, that's an old wooden ship. Diversity. I was like, what do you, what do you mean by that? I mean, you bring the diversity, whatever you want. Your diversity is your talents, your attributes, your traits. That's your diversity. Just because you're black doesn't mean you have mandated responsibility in that, in that community. Dude, that is not a popular opinion. It's not. Diversity is not diversity of thought. It's not diversity of thought or opinion. And and here's, here's another one. If everyone's racist, right. And you think about like, if that's the case, why aren't there a lot of shooting a black man in suburb cities, suburban cities? Wait a minute. Predominantly it's white. Now you have Asian, Indian, which are two of the top cultures within the United right. States now, white and Asian, or not white, uh, Indian and Asian. But let's say suburbs, majority are not black. So if we were to take that same thought and, and thinking in regards to everyone's racist, every cop's racist, okay, so where are all the black guys getting killed by cops in suburban cities or rural cities? Wait a minute. Oh, that doesn't happen. Okay, wait a minute. That throwing the numbers off, that doesn't make sense. And I that's know. a big thing to think about because that happens, first of all, for blacks, whites, anyone across the board. If you if you commit a crime, now discipline is going to come by a, another person. And so, that's going to be police officers. So I am curious, like, um, man, forgive me, because I'm I don't know how to say this delicately, but like you're starting to caveat let, like me. Just let it go. Okay, not gonna forget like yet. Yeah. So when you when you, I don't. I, it doesn't seem like your general position is is always congruent with uh, a lot of other black people. No, not at all. And so when you 
when you engage and you have a this conflicting opinion, mm-hmm. how does that go? So the biggest thing is they want to talk about diversity. Diversity this, diversity this. But then they want to have their own black college dorms. They want to have their own black safe space. They want to have their own black this. They feel more comfortable because they're seeing more like people. Which is natural. Which is natural. Which is not diversity. But it's not diversity. So you mean you're going to demand so-called diversity, meaning let's segregate, and then tell me you missed the diversity, but then when a white person comes in and all white people come in, and some like UNL, uh, UCLA, they get mad like, it's too many white people in here now. Wait a minute. I thought you want diversity. To be fair, it's mostly Asians at UCLA, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> and there is, but, but, so that's, is that suit still going on? There, were, there was a class action suit, I think, the, regarding... blocking Asians? No, that was Harvard. Harvard, Harvard was Harvard, blocking, yeah. Harvard yeah. Was blocking and, Asians. Not yeah. blocking, but in changing the requirements for the essay, the Correct. test so, or whatever. Which resulted yeah. in blocking. Well, no, they just yeah. did better. And so, yeah. So, if, if, if you're really working on diversity, but you're fighting to not have diversity, what's the issue? That goes back to, oh, I like living in diversity. I mean, you just want to be around the same people that look like you. But when you, so when you have that conversation, what's the reaction? They think I don't get it. We call it, uh, people call it Uncle Tom, or are you just saying that because you've Have been, you been called an Uncle Tom? Yeah, people always say that. I mean, oh, well, you're just, you're whitewashed. That's a big one. You're whitewashed. Okay. And, and they, I wanted to say that. <laughs> Not to call but, you that, but, but just but people, say, have you been called people, that? People say that, and you're like, all right, I'm whitewashed because I want what's better for me and my family. I'm whitewashed because I decide to make better choices, not as a, a as an individual. Again, and and what's that response when you come back? You're like, I, I want to make good decisions. I want what's better for my family. Oh, but you're different. Obama, he's black. Oh, it's different. He's a different black guy. Michelle Obama. Oh, it's different. Why is it all of a sudden no different? And what you're trying to say is like you want more diversity. You got a black president. Voted twice in there. He wasn't, and some people are like, well, he married a white girl. He married a white girl. No, he didn't. He married a black girl. Yeah. And so the list goes on. There's so many examples, even in my life, growing up in, in, in inner city or LA or Palmdale, and I was never told the other side. I was always told, you should think this way, and this is mm-hmm. what it is, guaranteed. Okay, if that's the case, two white families would have never taken me into their own home. So diversity of thoughts not encouraged. According to people, yeah, nowadays, not encouraged. Now, mm. so y- you, your marriage is interracial. Correct. Um, well, that's a good diverse marriage. It's diverse. It, it is diverse. Ha- what has been your experience with that? Have you experienced racism? No. With that? Not no. at all. The biggest thing, you, I hate when people are saying, um, like, I have a, a baby girl now, five months old, and they're like, whoa. Why would you have a baby right before a pandemic? Why would you do that? Why would Brian? you even think about a, that? A week, plan a week that? before, I got lucky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a week before it happened. No, but um, they was like, the next question is, well, what are you going to do? Like, she's biracial. How are you going to navigate that? How's she going to, she knows she's going to be white or black? How? Well, look, that's my, that's, that's my concern. And my concern is her being an individual. Mm-hmm. And if she can, depict the picture of her future by herself with regards to being black, white, mixed, doesn't matter. That's all I can do. And, and so that's how I'm a raiser. I'm a raiser as an individual, not a statistic, not a number, not a mixed race, whatever the case might be. It doesn't 
It doesn't matter. Her well-being has nothing to do with how her color is. You know why? Because we're all born with the color we are, and we, and we have no choice in that. Mm-hmm. I have no choice of only black or white. No choice in it. But I do have a choice of how I live my life. Yeah. And so just because of my race, and that's why when people say, well, what about this? You're black. You Like me, I, I've been rounding up cattle for 11 years on horseback in Colorado. 11 years. A black guy in Colorado, in Steamboat, Colorado, on a horse, rounding up cattle. Do you have a picture of that? Feels like I we do. missed this key part of your I'm, life here. <laughs> I years. I'm like, 11, 11 years. Can you send us a picture Dude, of that? I will. Because I want to put that on the website. My daughter has been riding horses for the last eight years. She would freak out if she knew I, this. If I taught Galen, my wife, how to round up cattle. And again, if you were to tell me, like, and they used to say this too when I was uh, growing up in LA, oh, you're black. We don't do that. Oh, you're black. We don't swim. Oh, you're black. We don't do this. We don't do this. Well, what the hell do we do? You're not going to dictate what I do mm-hmm. in my Man, life. Man, so wh- I, I, where does that uh, that independent, this is the nature nurture, independent spirit, is there a, are you different than your brothers with this stuff? Do Ooh, you, that's a good question. Hold on. Nice. He's showing the picture of the horse. Yes, I am, I am different. Quarter and horse. Do you get pushback Quarter from your brothers? Right. My daughter it, would be so proud of me right now. Regardless of the pushback. I fully guessed. <laughs> Brian, text that text I that to me. I kind of guessed because I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 right a lot, so yeah. I know what the horses look like. You can like. scroll right <laughs> But you're, where are you, how is the interaction with your brothers with this? Like, I want to ask a question, and so I will right now. Like, the phrase your blackness what does that mean to you is that a th- is that a thing what does that yeah. mean you know, uh, that, also the independent spirit how does the yeah. where does the independent spirit come from because a lot of people have similar experiences to you even coming out of places that you have but see things differently that's i mean it's it's like what people say oh we're taking your black heart whatever that is you know, and I'm not talking about a credit card, but, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to take your black card because you're not falling into the rules of how it is to be black. Mm. And for me, I'm like, what we fought for, MLK days, uh, all that, civil rights movement, what you fought for is to have an opportunity to do whatever you want, to build your own future, to set your own destiny. And we all want that internally. We do. We want that. But in my case, maybe because I'm I'm competitive, I I enjoy paving away myself mm. and trusting God to do the rest. And so for me, I'm like when they say my my brothers, and again, my brothers did not live with two white families, so their depiction of the world is different. And again, thank God I I was blessed to have, you know, like a, a two two great or three great families black and white that took me in that I really like, you know what? I'm not going to have my life subjected by race. It shouldn't even be a factor. We fought to not be a factor. And it's truly at this time and age, it's not a factor. So the other family that took you in was black? No, it was my family. And then okay. two white families. Okay. Now, do you think what, this is almost impossible to know, but we do weird hypotheticals here sometimes. If you had a third arm, <laughs> uh, what 
can you speculate on if your situation didn't change, if you didn't move out here, do your politics change? At some point, do you discover? You think so? Think about it. My my sister, who still lives in LA, from house to house, off government um, funding, her life has been gradually the same, if not worse. Hmm. Unmarried, has kids out of wedlock, totally dependent on the government, has not graduated from high school. Her highest, I mean, she, I mean, she dropped out sophomore year of high school, so that's the highest degree of mm. education she has. Mm. And she's my sister. And so that tells you two things. We got two, we were raised in the same family. They had the same beliefs. And obviously outside of individuality, it, it came down to choices. And so she made certain choices that we all make wrong decisions, but there's always opportunities to get out of that and get back on track. Sure. There's always, and, and anyone that says the opposite is just not looking at the opportunities. It might not be a lot. I guarantee it. It's not going to be a lot. You keep making mistakes. It's not always the same too. It's not always the same, but yeah. you have something. And so for her, she has resources, resources being us as family, resources being state to kind of pick herself up, which is what it was originally mm. intended for for hard times, um, it's like coronavirus, you know, people losing jobs. It's intended to pick you off your feet so you can get back up and going and do what you normally do, dominate life as an individual. What she is now in belief is thinking like, she can't live life or can't flourish without government assistance. Hmm. That's her thought process. And, you know, whether I agree with it or not, I'm like, that's a sad way to live life. If your well-being is based on a government handout or your well-being is based on a party, whether it's a party based on Republican or Democrat, mm. doesn't matter. I mean, you're really having your whole life being set up by someone else and then complaining that it doesn't look the same way or you're not getting as much as you want, which tends to happen, mm. or you're not out of rent. And again, these, these, these communities, my brothers in, in, in San Francisco, LA, oh, they're gentrification, like, this whole city is gentrification, gentrification, gentrification. Okay, you're you mean you're complaining about things getting better? If you own a house early or own property at that time, blacks, white, whatever, you would be flourishing at this time. Sure. Yeah. No one talks about that, but they're not. You know, you're black. You shouldn't be doing that. You're black. You should be playing sports, rapping. You're black. You don't swim. You're black. You don't get out your comfort zone. That's Dave Chappelle, right? Yeah. Dave yeah. Chappelle's <laughs> stand up, yeah. San Francisco stand up. He's like, listen, kids, I got to tell you something. You got to play basketball or rap or something because you're stuck. If yeah. you don't, like, that's how you get out of here. Yeah. So that's when that's being sold to you from a young age. I, again, I, I don't. I understand that people are told that growing up, just like football, everyone thinks they're going to go make it to the NFL and be, you know, the best, highest paid NFL player ever. Yeah. Everyone thinks that, but the reality of that doesn't happen. No, because how many people, how yeah. many people are in yeah. there? But who's, who's telling these kids this? Suburban kids are being told, look, football's great, but you need other options. Inner city right. kids, right. you don't have any other options. That's what they're saying. You have no options. Yeah. There's no option. Don't even worry about school. Don't even worry about, you know, trying to find a good job. Just be good at a sport or rap. That's what they're being depicted on. Just play the lottery. Yeah. But no one's saying like, you know what? You can do this. 
Yeah, you're not going to be a millionaire or maybe you are going to be a millionaire, but you have an option whether you want to do that. And regardless, you can still be happy. And, and I learned in Bible study, grateful people, grateful people, people, grateful people are always happy people. Mm. Just be grateful. And that means an individual looking internally and say, you know what? I'm glad I have this, 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 this. And then you're happy and you're like, you know, what else can I improve on? So grateful people are happy people. Dude, that, uh, that comment connects directly to your earlier comments of perspective for people now versus 100 years ago. Yeah. And how we perceive things. And so if you are, uh, I know it's not the same. It's not, it's not a perfect fit, but. Um, nothing is. Nothing's a perfect fit. Dude. We're at like two hours. I feel like we could go another two hours. It it would be so easy to do. I know. And Brian, you have been awesome. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for being super honest oh, and real. And uh, and it's it's been a blast. Like I said, two hours flew by in no time at all. Yeah. And this this thing, I'm going to re- reiterate that people have lots of thoughts. I feel like I should break into a Trump impression. Lots of thoughts. You know, so Zach, many thoughts. You really? know, there's going to be a lot here. There's amazing, <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> interesting yeah. things. The best thoughts of all the thoughts. Yeah. Tell us what's ever, made in China, ever. Zach. Go no ahead. One, no yeah. one's had any thoughts like this before. They're the greatest yeah. thoughts. We're going to build the best thoughts. That's ever. We're going to make so, a wall of thoughts. Yes. If we could, have, <laughs> if we could cover yeah. the southern... Border with thoughts. Uh, I, I, my Trump is terrible. Yeah. It's not even close. I it's appreciate, so bad. I appreciate oh, you tried. Uh, I was going to try, I'm but then sorry. everybody jumped in, so I'm glad I didn't. Because <laughs> mine is shit. Uh, at Bros Bibles Beer at tw- uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Bros Bibles Beer at gmail.com. Because I know you got thoughts. And your ratings and reviews matter. Yeah, rate and review us. It it hits the algos. Seriously, please get out there, rate and review. What happens when you rate and review us is it makes us show up higher in the rankings. And, and we, we want to be high. And we <laughs> want to be up there. <laughs> but well, it, I helps, do. it helps other people. And tell other people about it, too. Yeah. Share it with them. Mm-hmm. Why not? There's that share the button. Pole. That oh, share button exists. Brian, what was the... Uh, you were recently on another podcast. What was that podcast name again? Unstoppable Mindset. And then you said a term. That it wasn't as nice. I think that's what he said. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But I was thinking fairly recently, you said some you said some word about like crushing life or unstoppable life. I can't remember. You said something and then I was gonna chime in like, oh, that's your the, the that's the name of your new podcast, Brian. <laughs> Within the moment passed, but like you are very, you're a thoughtful guy and you're passionate. Is is there a creative outlet for you where you maybe do something like this? Um, no, nothing really. I I play piano and hang out with my wife and and, and daughter, and and that's pretty much all I do. And you know, individuals, I, I, whether it's work or, or not, I we talk about this, and have true discussion. And regardless if you're a Republican, Democrat, or do not care. It's great to talk to each other, whether yeah. you believe them or not, whether you agree with them or not. I, I feel like that's what we're lacking nowadays. And that's one thing you could say a decay of society is a lack of, of 
the ability, yeah, to talk to each other, whether you believe them or not, whether you agree with them or not. And I, same with my wife. Like, I don't have to agree with everything she says and vice versa, but I can still love her. Is that right, Jeff? <laughs> what? what? Uh, that's right. She doesn't need to agree that I, I don't can know lose why myself you in that. my studio playing music for seven hours yeah. straight on a Saturday. You she doesn't what? have to agree I want to with mention, that. Brian was mentioning, uh, he mentioned something regarding marriage, or maybe it was Jeff talking about something. And I do want to know it was Jeff talking. And I want to mention that Jeff and his wife, Tanya, were on, where well, Jeff is on our podcast, but they had a two-part episode, episode 29 and 28. Oh, my god! Ooh, this is that early. Way death, back. Death and rebirth in marriage, where Jeff and Tanya share their story. And uh, I think Jeff got uh, punched in the face on his wedding day by Tanya. Not There's, on the wedding day. Okay. Not metaphorically. But she did punch you. She did. Before the marriage? Before yes. the wedding? And you're still married. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a long time ago? It was probably several months. So it's a good story. She That's what I wanted me. to give you a shout out. She punched me. It's a good story. Yeah. And hey, do you guys all agree because with Because I disagreed with her. And then yeah. and then back, <laughs> back once. Once he disagreed with her. <laughs> and then he learned his lesson. No more. Her right hook is vicious. Yeah. And the weird thing about this, um, going back to what Brian was saying about disagreeing. We would all, I'm guessing, the four of us, agree with the statement, we want humanity to flourish. Correct. Yep. Totally. And, and we're better together. Realizing that that's a simple statement that has a lot of complicated answers on how we get there. But starting with that, like the good faith, let's let's have a conversation and how we get there is a different story. But if you know that we're all going towards that destination... Yeah. That that is key, and I, I feel like that's getting lost if you're only living on social media. Yeah, I think the biggest thing we're missing today, and I, I deal with this with kids when I, I coach high school football, is a loss of self confidence. Mm. And if you can't put a kid in position or any individual in a position to show and prove to themselves that they are worth something, they don't have confidence. Mm. They're gonna grab onto any and everything that is told to them, but if they believe the lie of what people would tell them, which is on social media, that is just BS. They believe that lie. They're going down the wrong path. And, and the, what we all want. And I, I, I think I'll talk for everyone. I, I don't know, but is having self-confidence in yourself and believing that, Hey, I can do this despite obstacle X, Y, Z. And we have a lack of that. Uh, my generation included, they, they want things to be given to them, but the, what they really want is confidence in them their own ability to do things every day. I don't know. I don't think I want confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll work on that. <laughs> you know? But yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what it goes to. And, yeah. and, you know, even within my marriage, you know, I, we go to seminars all the time with me and Galen and we're always the youngest by 20 plus years. But I love learning from older people who've been to it longer. And that gives me a good depiction of how, what, what, first being realistic and not what's on social media yeah. in, in a freaking clip or a thumbprint or thumbnail, yeah. uh, I can see what really goes on within a marriage on a day-to-day basis. And it's not always pretty, but you can make it as great as you want it to be. 
Dude, Brian, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Great to meet you. you. I know I know Zach's known you forever, but Jeff and I get to meet you and uh forever, not long enough. It is it has been it has been a pleasure. Are you down for softball if that gets back up? Yeah, yeah, I need to get out. Maybe Andy will join us. Fine, I'll buy some cleats. I still have a glove and I'll dust it off and I'll make a fool of myself again. Weird to have you out there, Andy. There was (laughs) listen. There was the first time Brian okay, I I have the Daryl Strawberry swing. No way. <laughs> no so there's way. cocaine on the bat? Yeah. Yeah. Actual no, cocaine no. on the, is on we the bat. We are deteriorating fast. <laughs> oh. But Brian, oh my gosh. First time Brian played softball with us, Jeff and I play if you're a new listener or whatever. It's first time ever, too. First time you, you swung Plain. a bat. Yes. I was never there with Brian. You weren't? No. Oh my gosh, I imported you because you quit because your body is failing. <laughs> so, Brian. I feel like you upgraded with Brian significantly. Even though Brian's never swung a bat. Brian made it to first. Jeff's still in the batter box trying to get. <laughs> Jeff's played baseball his entire life. Jeff's at home in his eternal ice uh, bath. Brian had to have a bat explained to him. Gosh and darn it. Doing, I, I want his, reparations for this. <laughs> he's doing better. <laughs> but, Brian, you've ne- you never. I didn't know at the time. You never swung a bat before. Yeah. You, you tap the softball. Gently down the line, and when you blazed the trail towards first with that four three forty speed, <laughs> there was both sides, both teams. You could hear an audible like, "What is happening right now? <laughs> what?" <laughs> I mean, it was so fast. It's like that scene from Back to the Future when he takes off and finally hits eighty eight miles an hour and leaves the trail of flaming. Yeah. <laughs> it was tracks. remarkable. It was yeah, remarkable, bro. and it's it's fun. <laughs> I, I love that sport now. I love baseball. I love softball. Now, and I, I wish I would have played that earlier. Mm, yeah. I feel like this may pull me out of my 25-year retirement. Yeah, I need somebody on the team that's taller than me Gosh. and looks that runs relatively fast but looks slow as shit because their legs are so long. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I take both of those boxes. Giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank Thanks, you guys. Brian. Appreciate it. And this, I am guessing this will not be the last time you're nope. on this show. For sure not. Thank you. I as long as you it. come back. I will. Okay. Definitely All right. come back. Yep. All right. Peace out, everybody. Thank you, guys.